The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. I like them. You like them? They look good. Yeah? Yeah. You like them? Yeah. Try them on. Try them on. Let me see what they look like. Dude, those look fucking tough. Those are tough, dude. It's fucking look good, dude. (laughs) You got to get a pair of glasses, dude. You do you need glasses? Uh, I do for reading. Those are those are what I, I can't see my phone without them. Really? Yeah, I can't fucking see my phone without these. What power are those? It's uh, I believe it's one eye is different than the other. It's just prescription. Um, one eye is different than the other. Really? Yeah, like one can see better or something like Did that. Did you get injured or is it just no? I just around four. I think they call reading glasses in England forty uh, fives. Because around 45 is when your eyes start going. <laughs> That's what happened to me. Yeah. That's probably exactly when it happened to me. I remember doing the podcast, yeah. and I, I couldn't read off a laptop. I was actually doing a podcast with Neil deGrasse Tyson, and uh, I wanted to ask him about something. Right. And I pulled up the laptop, and I was like, I can't fucking read this. Yeah, I, I, I out of nowhere. I had perfect sight, perfect everything. Yeah, it just falls off like a clip. 45, boom. Couldn't but read. But you know what? There's a way to um, to stop it in its tracks. There's supplements that you could take. There's a company called Pure Encapsulations, and they have a thing called Macular Support. And uh, I started taking Macular Support, and it stopped it. Stopped it in its tracks. Really? Yeah, so now I can read my phone. Like, it might have even actually got a little bit better. So, like, I don't have a problem reading my phone, like, reading text messages right. and shit. It's no problem. Well, it, but I prefer, like, if I'm reading an article, I read with glasses on. Well, the thing that sucks, too, is that they don't make cool glasses for men. Reading glasses. Those are fucking cool. Well, the, this is... They have, like, a nice the, red tint to them. This is from uh, this guy in the East Village, my friend Anthony. They look like they're from the East Village. He's... Well, <laughs> they do. They look cool. Yeah, this guy makes them. Like this is like this is like a Rolex. Oh. There's there's 500 of these made. This is 230 something of 500. Why doesn't he make more? It's not him. It's uh, I can't read it. I inside Jean Paul whoever. Oh, so it's like a designer. But he he's a uh, what is it? Opto optometrist. Optometrist. Hard word to fucking pull. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's cool as shit. Like you walk in and he customizes everything. Like he'll take this fancy sun the glass frame and then he'll be like let's put a, this tint on it let me do this and then oh. you go in and he cut he, like he'll sand it down to fit your nose Ooh, that's nice so you can pick like all these crazy frames and then he makes it yours oh. which is great i mean it costs money but i love shit like that i love it seems when, like it's worth it though i love when people take something and make it unique and not everybody has it Customize. I love yes. people who customize shit yes. like that. Like this guy could just be, yep. Here's your prescription. Here's your Bausham Loms or whatever mm-hmm. stupid glasses. He's like, I'm getting the coolest frames on the planet that are, you know, what he has one. He get this one with. Uh, you'd look good in these too. They have uh, Thunderbirds, silver Thunderbird going down the side. <laughs> it's like Elvis would buy these glasses. Dude, like, I'm in. You have to be, <laughs> you have to be the motherfucker yeah. to wear these glasses, and I, they're like sixteen hundred bucks. Are they online? Can I see what they look like? Um, yeah, his uh, his name's Anthony. Shit, I forget his name. Yeah, he has a whole Anthony Instagram. <laughs> I can't. No, not Anthony. Shit. Where's my phone? I can't. Go I can't. grab your phone. Go Hang grab your phone. I'll tell you. I want to see these. Because those are dope. The ones you have, I love the red tint. There's something about rose-colored glasses. You know, uh, I remember one time I was, like, super high, and I put on a pair of rose- Anthony Aiden? 
What Anthony Aiden, sorry. Yep, Anthony uh, Aiden. Is this him right him. here? There he is. Anthony Aiden Opticians. Coolest guy ever. East and, Village. Where's yeah. the Thunderbird ones? Thunderbirds, yeah. Type in Thunderbird. Um, mm, here we go. The, I wanted these the glasses search? so bad I couldn't pull the trigger, though, because I, I'm just not, you know? Zero results for Thunderbirds. Mm. What about Thunderbird? I, I got a no? picture of it. Mm-hmm. No, another for birds. <laughs> Just go through the catalog and see if you can find it. They look dope, though. Page one of five. Jean, go to, yeah, look at these glasses. Jean, yeah, uh, okay. There you go. Now you're getting there. Look at these. Jean, oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I, there's a Thunderbird on the side. Maybe they have them, like, behind the case. No, it's he gets. He only gets one pair in black, <laughs> one pair in tortoise shell. And they're six, like seventeen hundred bucks without prescription. Wow! And and they're they're fucking nuts. Hmm. Yeah, they're those are my glasses right there. The ones right there. Those are the those yeah. are my the ones he made those and put them up on his site. Very nice. Yeah. Um, here, let me see. I got this picture of it. But I love guys like this who just yeah. take something and make it better. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's cool. Craftsmanship. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. the word. I, I, I craftsmanship. Yeah. I'm a big fan of craftsmanship. Me too. Yeah. I I love when people make shit. You know. I love uh, when people make art. I love when people make like tables, like this table. When I got yes. the table done, I love the fact that somebody carved this. This is uh, our friend Drew. Yeah. What was Drew's last name Jamie? Who did the the table? Drew Teague. He's a bad motherfucker. And he made us this table. We had another one like this at the old studio, but it was a little bit too big. It was enormous. And so we had him construct this. Well, you look at a table like this, and you're like, yeah, I could do that. And then you uh-huh. realize how hard. I watch wood stuff on Instagram all the time. It's my favorite. Just seeing some guy taking a tree and making it into something yeah. is nuts to me. Why is that so? It's so satisfying, right? Watching someone carve things out of wood and saw and hammer and nail and make it all precise. Yeah, like it, there's so much that goes into it, and this one dude is just sitting there, and it was a tree. It yeah. was it was in a forest, and now it's it's in somebody's house, and generations are going to eat off this thing and talk about fucking everything. Yeah. my table's from the fifties. Really? I got a um, yeah. We moved into my house up in Westchester. Uh, they were like, you want to buy this furniture, 500 bucks, because the lady was dying or whatever. And she lived in the house her whole life. And we, I looked at it, I'm like, 100%, because it's mid-century modern uh, you know, uh, furniture. It's like the Danish were making this furniture. You know, Europe was making these amazing uh, wood furniture, back like Mad Men type of furniture, mm. right? I, and America started making them. I was like, this is that stuff. So we took it. And uh, I found out the table's worth twenty eight hundred bucks. The chairs are worth, uh, you know, two hundred fifty each. The liquor cabinet's worth four thousand. All the wow. stuff we got was from the fifties when she got it. And I, I'm sitting there going, this whole family grew up on this table. Mm. And now we, it was very important in my house that when I'm home we have dinner. Uh, me and my wife and my son, we sit at the table and we have dinner, and I talk because. That's the time where you bond. Find you bond, out about your day. You need a break from yeah. your day. Yeah. Where, you know, you're doing all this shit and now you're gonna sit here and just talk. No iPads, no homework, no fucking Instagram, no bullshit. Just sit down and talk. And it's like, what was the best part? What was the worst part of your day? You know? 
And he, you know, well, this happened. Recess, of course. I'm like, no, fucking recess don't count. <laughs> Lunch, nope, don't count. Yeah. You know, f- uh, and, and we shit we sh- this table. And then someone's going to buy this table in 50 years. It's probably worth even more. It's yeah. like you can't recreate a 1950s table. It is, a, you know, you can make an, a copy of it, but it's not a 1950s. There's something about an old thing that's like baked in memories and thoughts. And, yeah. Like there's a know? scrape on the table. Yeah. That's from their kid. Mm-hmm. I know it. Yeah. That their kid did some stupid shit, <laughs> and she goes, "You scraped the table." Yeah, you know, and that he's pro- he's he's got to be like sixty now. Mm-hmm. And if he came and saw it, he'd be like, "Dude, I did that uh, when I was like seven. I just got a fork and I started scraping." You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There's a story behind that shit. It's like like a Rolex. Mm-hmm. When you get a really nice watch, the craftsmanship that goes into that watch. Fuck the watch. Like, oh, I got a Rolex. It's not about that. There's like engineering the engineering of it and then when you scratch it for the first time you get so bummed out but it, that's your scratch yeah. you know what i mean so the next guy that gets this watch or my son when he gets it that's my life there's a big market for those really old rolexes people love those you can't get a, real you can't old get ones. them go to bob's you know bob's watches do you know what that is yeah no i, I know yeah. Bob. Oh, you're so you're a watch guy I, lo- I, I like watches. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, of of watches. Yeah, yeah I love me them. too. I love them. I go I go to Mayers in um, Tampa, and I go to uh, watches of Switzerland and New York. Because what is Mayers? Mayers is a big watch place in uh, just a uh, watch in Tampa. collectors. Place? No, they're just uh, they're watches Jewelry of Switzerland. Store? It's mm-hmm. like an authorized Rolex dealer. Ah, so you want to so go? Just, you're just all about Rolexes. I know I like I like German watches. Um, I got a I like I like watches. Like when I went to when I toured with Louis uh, in Europe this year in Paris, I was like I want to get a French watch. I got this four hundred dollar watch called Lip. It's just L I P. It's a it's a nice watch. It's a diver's watch. It's not it's four hundred bucks, but it's it's gorgeous. It's a, I like watches. I have uh, two uh, Phoenix the Garmin watches. Mm. I love the Garmin watch because it lasts yeah. for 68 days. Yeah, I've got one of those. They're yeah. the best. Like Apple Watch, I got one of those, but it lasts 24 hours and you got to recharge it. And if you they have a new it, one, the Ultra, lasts looks good, a couple yeah. of days. Yeah. But it's I'm, fat. It's like a toaster. It's still like two days. Like the Garmin is, is 68 yeah. days yeah. if you and set it, it right. It also, like, if you run the GPS, it's it's less. But I mean, yeah. it has that option. You could run GPS on it. Like you, like could track your whereabouts and shit. A hundred percent. Yeah. Something. Nice. About, I love watches. I love that whole. That whole. Uh, I love knives. Me like, too. Uh, you have a? Do you get a Jack Lore yet? No. What is that? It's a. It's a bushcraft knife. Bushcraft. Yeah. Are you learning bushcraft, Bobby? Dude, I, <laughs> buddy, I'm telling you. By the way, you should never take those glasses off. Why? They're perfect for you. <laughs> Aren't they? They're perfect. I got to take them off at some point. Every now and then. Uh, <laughs> take them off when you fuck. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Well, then I guess I'm never to take them off. I'm 15 years married. <laughs> Fucking God damn it. Um, um, bushcraft. Bushcraft, dude. I love bushcraft. What does that mean? What does that word mean? I mean, it means like I don't, learning how to like live in the bush, right? I'm not. It. I don't. I'm not a bushcrafter. You never heard of me and Ari and Joe List? The Bushcraft Party Boys? <laughs> no. <laughs> You've never? No. He's saying like it's like a fucking hit album or something. <laughs> it was. How would I know? It was a fucking hit. It was a hit. I've never heard of it. What's it the was, Bushcraft Party Boys? What does that mean? Dude, we, bushcrafting is like when you go in the woods and you survive. 
You make a right. shelter. Right. You make a chair. You 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 get all the stuff you need. Do you know how to do all that? And stuff? A, yeah, I know how to do it. Can you Not, start a fire? Yeah, hundred percent. With flint. Yeah, uh, with I haven't done flint, but I have a flint. I do have a oh. steel and flint, but I you know I, um I have a ferro rod. It comes with oh. a knife, like a bushcraft. Like this guy Jack Lore, and Ray Mears is the guy who started it in England. Uh, bushcraft, big bushcraft guy, and they'll just go out in the woods. And uh, did it go out? Yeah, thank you. Um, and they have these knives that you can pretty much do everything with. Mm. Like you just go in, you'll make a shelter, everything with this knife you can do. Is that you guys? That's us. That's the Bushcraft Party where, Boys. Where were you guys? That's beautiful. So, dude, I'll yeah, tell you. gorgeous. Where is that? That's beautiful. That's in New York. That's the Catskills. Oh, that's a good place to get Lyme disease. So uh, we, we go up. <laughs> this is so crazy. We go up. All right, check this out. We go up. I find the spot where we're going to go hiking, right? So we hike two miles up this road. It's it's an old dirt road um, that they used to, you know, horse and buggy used to go up. And you get to the top and there's an old hotel, but it's all just the, you know, the frame of it. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's creepy and beautiful and awesome. You get to the top. It's two hours up to the top. Then you go down the other side and it's a regular trail and that's another two hours down to this lake i I think i forget what lake it is echo lake and it's all it's called primitive camping this is beautiful that lake is so pretty it's um it's unbelievable and it's all beavers are in there they've you can see all the trees there's a photo of it are there fish in that lake yeah there's fish there's everything did you guys fish no we didn't fish we're not fishing but I, I brought, dude, I brought filet mignon's Italian oh, sausages. nice. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I cooked everything. Is that, did you film that coyote? No, no, no. So we're, we're out there, and I'm the one who kind of knows about all this stuff. So I told him about the bears. So we get up there, I'm like, you know, this is how you, you got to hang a bear bag. You got to, you know, if you're going to take a shit, it's got to be 155, 150 uh, feet from the trail and water. You got to dig it out. You poop. I, you know, you, you can't just shit. Right. You have to dig it out, poop, wipe, put that in the hole, take baby wipes. You got to carry that out with you back in a Ziploc bag. All this stuff, snakes, there's huge um, rattlesnakes up in the Catskills. Uh, big, big rattlesnakes up really? there. Yeah, you have to be very careful of rattlesnakes. So is there a lot of black bears up there? Is that what it is? There's black bears up there. I told them about that. But, you know, they're, they're going to stay away. I was just, don't have food in your tent. You can't, mm-hmm. there's certain things, like because we're primitive camping. There's nobody around. Right. There's nobody around for four hours. How deep did you get in there? How how far did you walk in? We walked four hours in. Like, so two that? hours up, two hours down the back. Wow. So if somebody gets hurt, it's going to be a problem. Mm. So we were, I mean, I cooked up a storm. I have this, uh, it's called the firebox. It's this little steel box that's flat sure, and then it opens up. Right. Yeah. I cooked everybody rice pilaf. We had this sick meal. Dude, look at you. You guys have rain gear and oh, everything? Everything. We had a- wow. uh, we had food, we, we had cigars, we had the fire. How many days did you guys stay up there? We did one day. We went up for one night, packed up. That's fucking beautiful. So we get into the, I went early because I'm old, so I get into my tent around 11.30. Around 1.30, I hear them zipping up that tent, mm-hmm. and uh, they get in, and then as soon as they got in their tent, a pack of coyotes. And I don't know if you've ever heard a pack of coyotes. Oh, yeah, sure. I've never heard them. I didn't understand the noise. It doesn't oh, wow. sound, it sounds like something's being murdered. Yeah. I, I thought, oh, something like that. It's like, ah, 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 ah. Yeah. it's the scariest fucking sound. The, you know what they're doing when they do that? They I do have, roll call. Is that what they're doing? Yeah, they're making sure. Either they kill something and they want to let everybody know that they killed something, so they let all the other coyotes know, or they're doing roll call 
And here's what's interesting. When they do roll call, if one of the coyotes doesn't respond, that means the coyote probably got killed. And when a coyote gets killed, the female coyotes in the pack produce more litter. It's one of the reasons why coyotes are everywhere. They're one of the most unusual animals in North America in that when their populations decrease, the female litters increase. Like they make more babies right. and they spread their territory out. Because right. they used to be limited to the West. But then when in the, the 1800s and the 1900s, when people started shooting them and running them off, like when, when they um, extirpated the wolves, like wolves are basically they were. Did you just use the word extirpated? Yeah. Yeah. I when have they, no idea what When they is. removed the wolves. <laughs> Thank you for dumbing it down. Yeah, when they removed all the wolves, they killed all the wolves right. in the West. When they were doing that to the coyotes, it didn't work. The coyotes just spread out. And now right. there's coyotes in every city in America. Yeah. yeah. And they're wolves. I just saw one got hit on the uh, West Side Highway. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. They're uh, all, they're in Manhattan. They're yeah. all over Central Park. And then people are like, no way. Like, yeah, there's videos of them in the Bronx. They're in my in neighborhood. Abandoned houses. 100%. Yeah. But we were, dude, we're four miles, we're four hours away from anything. It's 1.30 in the morning. It's me, Ari Shafir, and Joe List. <laughs> Not the... <laughs> Most not the Navy humans. Not the Navy SEAL team you're looking for, right? <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm huge, right? Did you guys bring a firearm or anything? I had I had my jack I had my knife, my bushcraft knife. Oh, well, there you I, go. I, Ari had one. I gave Joe List my broken buck knife that he didn't know was broken, and I had bear spray. I okay. took bear spray just in case, just you know. In case. And uh, I mean, they screamed, dude. It was terrifying. Terrifying. The yeah. noise is terrifying. And then right when it stopped, Joe List went. What do we do about that? <laughs> and That's then my, awesome. Then, then my 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 pad, my sleeping pad broke. It just pops. Oh, you got one of those air pads. That no, was yeah. just, dude. I'm, you know, I'm huge at the time. I'm fucking massive. It's not my, wasn't my weight. You know what I mean? It just popped it. So I got to keep rolling around all night. Ari keeps hearing me roll around trying to get my pad together, and he thinks I'm being attacked. <laughs> so Ari in the middle of the night, Bobby, what the fuck's happening? Are you all right? Are you all right? I'm like, I'm fucking fine. My pad's broken. Shut the fuck up. Uh... It was so crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was great. We've done it a couple times. Oh, that's awesome. We've gone out a, a couple times. I got a, a, a whole uh, show I'm shooting next summer, comedy camp. Really? Yeah, dude. I'm taking five comics up into the woods. For five days. No cell phones. If you take, oh, no <laughs> managers. No nothing. If you bring oh, no managers, that's hilarious. Nope. Would your manager want to go? Well, Who's you know fucking the, manager would want to go there? Well, some of these things that, you know, there's a hotel or you break or you go back to the thing or your oh, agent's yeah. there. Dude, we're, I'm taking Jim Norton. I'm taking Russell Peters. Beth Stelling. I'm taking uh, myself. And there's one more comic we're going to pick. We're going to the woods for five days. And that's we're, amazing. We're going to do bushcrafting. Like, you're going to... Light the fire, and you get patches on your sash like a Girl Scout. And whoever raise money for charity, whoever wins, uh, gives a certain amount of money to the charity. You got to do a solo in the woods by yourself. Set up your camp, set up your fire, do all that shit for comics. It's like you know the show alone, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, it's one of my favorite shows ever. It's a great show. It's such a good show. I had one of the guys who won on the podcast. I saw it. It, it was, was really, really interesting. He's he's fascinating. They all, they all are. This guy lived with um, the tribal people in Siberia. Right. He lived uh, in, with reindeer herders, which is really amazing. See, I love If I had another life, dude, I would go do that shit. Yeah. I would go, I would just fuck all, just let it go and go how to just live. 
You know, those guys are out there. For, what a show concept. How, whoever stays the longest wins. Mm -hmm. And you can always tell who's, who's going to be kicked off or who's going to leave first. I miss my kid. Well, that guy, Jordan, who went out there, he was stealing. He was stealing because he he had so much information. He was like it was it was a it was like a rigged game. Is that the guy who killed the moose? Yeah, yeah. like he was so far ahead of everybody. It's like he was stealing money. It's like you're not you're not staying out there longer than that guy. Well, yeah, but it's funny because the guys who have the kids and the wife that they love, they're gone. Yeah, they're just done. It's hard. It's hard, I get it, but it's like it's it's three days in, and you're like, I miss my wife. It's like, dude, shut up. Just yeah, <laughs> at just least do twenty it. days. You know what I mean? And he Jordan did, I think, sixty. Sixty something days. I think yeah. the most is eighty something. Wow. Uh, and this guy, I think he had a shovel, a sharp shovel, and he just knew how to do it. I forget his name. I follow him on Instagram. But that guy, he he knows that fat is the key to surviving. Mm-hmm. Well, the, remember a wolverine ate his ate fat? His fat. <laughs> yeah. And so he had to kill the wolverine, so he great. killed the wolverine with a fucking axe? Yeah. That's some man shit. That's hard shit. That's some hardcore shit. I ran into a badger when I was in... Did I tell you about this, Jamie? I didn't tell you. I ran into a badger when I was in uh, Utah in the mountains yeah. hunting yeah. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, I we stopped the truck... The headlights were on this badger was in the middle of the road. And I said, let me go get a fucking photo with this badger. And as I walked up to it and started filming it, its hair went up and it started walking towards me. Yeah. This little thing. Yeah. They're and I'm no like, joke. oh, whoops, got to go. <laughs> I saw, <laughs> fucking jumped back. Did you see that video of the badger fighting a pack of lions? Uh, I've seen that, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. No, it's amazing. And, he, and it won. Yeah, they're fucking terrifying animals. Mm -hmm. they, they're so ferocious. I'm going to find this. I got a, this in here. It's... uh. It's there. It's amazing that an animal that small, like a wolverine or a badger, yeah. that big animals are terrified of it. Yeah. Like big predators are terrified of it. Like what the fuck? What are they doing? Let me find this. But it's, that show's so great. But even that guy, because it's like, okay, fine. I know the animals, the moose will kill you. Uh, uh, wolverine will kill you. But if you know what you're doing, you're the top of the food chain. Yeah, if you know what you're doing. If you know what you're doing, you're the top. And that guy was pretty amazing. Well, humans with weapons are always at the top of the food chain, but humans without weapons are at the bottom. I mean, you can get killed by a rat. Like you have very little shot at anything. You're a fucking a human with no weapon. Right. Got it in here somewhere. I'm not going to find Oh, there it is. Here, I'll, I'll send this to you, Jamie. Cigar is so good, dude. They're good, right? No, this is the one of the... Most people who get a cigar... Like, it's my cigar. It's garbage. I know. Like, when uh, Nick from Foundation Cigars sent these to me, I was very skeptical. Yeah. Very skeptical. It's it's such a great cigar. I mean, yeah. it's 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 one of my favorites, and it's crazy you can't even get it. Well, yeah. Look at this. This is it right here. So, give me some volume here. So, this is, uh, we, we're, it's like just at the end of the day. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. So, I'm just walking up to it, trying to film it. Jesus. And I'm like, nope, got to go. <laughs> See ya. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Anytime somebody sees an animal, we always talk to them like it's like a like a surfer. Hey, what's yeah. up, dude? What up, bro? Hey, bro. <laughs> hey, man. You cool, dude? Yeah, you're not cool? Okay. I'd never seen one in a while before. That's wild. They're just such an interesting looking, like a little pit bull covered in fur. Just right. like, so it's funny because I, I, bought, I bought a tiny house I was telling you up in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And I want to see animals so bad. We went up. We go up uh, in the summertime for two months, 
And, you don't uh, see anything up there? I haven't seen I saw a deer, but I know a there's deer? I know there's be- bear. I know there's a lot of bear. I know there's a lot of uh, meerkats and, and, and you know mountain lions and stuff like that, but I haven't seen them. When you want to see them is when you don't see them. There's moose up there, too. Moose. There's everything yeah. up there. There was more uh, animal sightings in Westchester on my ring cam <laughs> than there was. The deer. Deer yeah. in Westchester are off the charts. It's crazy. There's so there's, many. There's bear, too. There's bear. Yep. There's a, a bobcat. Wow. There's a bobcat. There's coyote everywhere. Well, they have a real um, bear problem in New Jersey. You want to know about this? This is kind of crazy. The highest population of bears in the entire country is in New Jersey. That's crazy. There's more bears per capita in New Jersey. Because you can't kill them. Because you can't kill them now. Yeah. They used to be able to until yeah. this new governor. This new governor came along. Let's stop the bear hunt. Because <laughs> they're teddy bears and they're yogi and they're our friends. <laughs> Did you see the video? I posted the video on my Instagram yesterday of a hiker. He's uh, uh, climbing up this mountain, and the bear comes down the mountain and tries to eat him. Yeah, I saw and he, that. And he's, he's like screaming, it. and the noises this guy makes. Pull, pull that up. The noises this guy makes are so fucking primal. He's like, ah, 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 because he's about to get, let me give you something. Look at that thing. That's a small bear, too. He's lucky. That's probably like a six-foot bear. I can't, I can't fuck with him though, dude. Because you think you you think you'd do something. No, there's not much you can do. He, it was really interesting. Like you play it again because at the beginning of it, he's um he's it comes right down at him, right down from the top and tries to bite him and then runs back at him. He's lucky he had the high ground after that. He kicks like a bitch too. He's lucky. He's lucky that bear did just bite his foot off. <laughs> Poor guy, man. Those noises. <laughs> Jesus Christ, those noises are so primal. Poor dude. <laughs> Is that what you're calling them? Yeah. Primal. That's, ah! <laughs> ah! You know, uh, Anthony Cumia sent me a text message this morning. He was like, that's like what you would, like caveman noises. You'd expect a caveman. Like, ah! 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 Like, that's what it sounds like. That's it's funny. like the, the fucking, the DNA of you. Like the, forget about your language. Yeah. Just noise. <laughs> ah! Ah! Cause you don't know you. Th- I always think I know what I do. Uh, bear, yeah. bear, bear. You know you're supposed to. You see the bear, back bear. Yeah. Like in my head, but if that happened to me, I'd probably make the same. A hundred percent, I'd make that noise. Probably a yeah. little higher pitched. Well, a hundred percent, I'd have a gun. Yeah. So I'd shoot that thing right in the fucking face. One hundred percent. You know, you you can only kick them so many times. Like if right. if you have a gun on you, yeah. that's that's way better. Yeah. That that situation is scary because yeah. people get eaten by bears all the time. It is a common occurrence. But bear spray, I heard this. Bear spray is less uh, effective than regular mace. Really? Because they don't want to. That we can go wash our eyes out. Bears can't. So they make it less powerful because they can't wipe their eyes off. So they is have, that true? Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, I it's true it because be I said pow- it. I would have thought it'd be more powerful. <laughs> Probably, they come in these big canisters. No, it's less powerful because they can't go wipe their face off. Mm. You know, they can't go to a, a lake and just get their eyes out. You know, mm. so they make it less powerful. Oh, I mean that's a fact for me. Fuck that. Then. That you know, I would take mace. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a fuck if they're washing their eyes out. I heard bears. I heard bears, but they don't like a black bear. A black bear, you become bigger. A brown bear, you become smaller. Right? It depends. That situation. And a polar bear, you just fucking bear. say goodbye. Yeah, polar bear, you're fucked. Yeah. Polar bears are different because they only eat meat. 
Right. So a black bear will eat berries and it'll eat leaves and grass and right. it'll also eat meat. A grizzly bear, same thing. Polar bear, there's no grass where it lives. So all they do is eat meat. They're the most predatory of all bears. Yeah. Yeah. You ever was... heard of a short faced bear? No. That was the bear that probably kept human beings from crossing the Bering Strait. The Bering landmass uh, before the when, during the Ice Age, yeah. when the continents were connected and you could walk yeah. from Asia to America, there was a bear called the short-faced bear that died off when all the megafauna died in well, somewhere around twelve thousand years ago. There was a mass extinction of uh, megafauna, and the short-faced bear was amongst them. It was like twice the size of a polar bear. Jesus Christ! And it had long limbs, like right. so. It's like a cat. Ugh. I could find a photo of a short-faced bear in comparison to a Holy person. Shit. Look at the fucking size of that thing. I mean, could you imagine if you saw that thing running towards you? Like, what do you? What, you know, that's it. You're done. But you, this is why I love man because. They found a way to take that down and make a coat out of it. <laughs> <laughs> with, with a rock connected yeah. to a stick. Yeah, they were like, yeah. listen, man. Fucking look at that thing, man. Just imagine being a primitive man with like animal skins covering your dick, wandering through the forest trying to find a squirrel to feed to your children. Why don't they make a movie? They made one movie a long time ago with a crazy bear. I don't know if you remember it. I forget the name of it. There was, you know, some nuclear lake and the animals ate out of it and tadpoles <laughs> were this big. And there was a fucking bear like that just going around killing everybody. What was it called? I uh, started with a P. It was scary as shit, though. Prophecy. Prophecy. Oh, I remember, remember that. Remember this movie? That was 1979? Right. Wow, I didn't know. You know that's when Alien was? The movie Alien? That was 1979? Really? Yeah, I thought it was li my, way later than that. That's Prophecy. Yeah. Look at that fucking <laughs> stupid thing. <laughs> that thing, it's people just be in a tent and it just goes... And just, oh my God, just that's amazing. Yeah, look at the, look that's at the car. Amazing. That's amazing. That's like... <laughs> nice truck. Was Look that at a, that bear. What is that a Defender? That's a an old Jeep, maybe. That's a fucking. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, there. You you think you would have like, oh, this is the movie. <laughs> <gasps> cool old cars. Oh, look who's in it. Oh, my God. What's her face from Rocky? And that sucked that she's what's her face from Rocky. That's what she is. I know, but that's it's, what's her face from Rocky. It's Adrian. Talia Shire. Talia, that's uh, what's his name? Sister. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Polly. <laughs> Polly's no, no, sister. No, 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 no. Yeah, she was hot. Uh, the guy who directed the, go the Godfather. Oh, oh, really? Francis Ford Coppola. What am that's I? That's his ass? sister? That's his sister. No, she was hot in Rocky. Smoking. When he took the glasses off of Dude, her. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, she's yeah. hot under How that. hot was she in Rocky Three? Ooh, when she got pretty. Oh. When Rocky got pretty, too. Remember, he was all handsome. Oh. He had the suit on. Shredded. Yeah. yeah. You got soft, Rock! <laughs> when he got the robot, the gay robot. Mm, look at that. It's the greatest robot ever. Prophecy. What that's the it. fuck? That's the tadpole? No, that, ah, that, what is that? That's, that's a, a bear I baby? think that's a baby bear. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, it's a, that's a wolf. In the nuclear lake. Yeah, the lake and the tadpole they take these out people. is Let nuts. me climb in this fucking nuclear lake and let this thing free. Imagine, <laughs> there's a lake filled with nuclear radiation that's turning a tadpole into that thing. And this it's guy's great. like, let's climb on in with no hazmat suits. <laughs> oh, we got a helicopter? Let me bring this thing to safety. <laughs> he's got a He's coddling that little baby. Yeah, we'll bring it to safety. And then the big bear comes looking for its baby. Is that the story? Yeah, I think that is a story. And then they what's go, her name from Rocky? Like, yeah, that's, fucking saves the day. She's so pretty. She was hot. God, she's gorgeous. Yeah, that's like the best looking kind of Italian woman. Mm. 
those features. Yeah. 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 This what bear. A stupid movie. <laughs> it's a dumb movie. Stupid, but it's great. There's some great they dumb should, movies. They from should those make. Days. They should make a new bear movie. They should with one of those. Yeah, or maybe a short faced bear. Like maybe someone brings one of those th- things back to life. Right. Well, they're trying to bring back woolly mammoths. There's a lot of assholes that want to bring back everything. Like 90% of everything that ever lived is extinct. I think it's more than 90%. Things go extinct. They're yeah. bad designs. Almost, Fuck almost, the dodo bird. It's over. Let it go. Dodo Don't bird. bring it back. I'm a dodo bird. You I know? want a pterodactyl. Mm. I want a pterodactyl to eat all the fucking pigeons in New York. There was a place on Earth where they thought that pterodactyls were still alive. Get the fuck. Yeah. There was like one of them legend things. Where people were claiming to see enormous birds, bird-like creatures that had like 17-foot wingspans, and they were thinking the pterodactyl still existed. It was I like some tropical place. Was it? Was it? Was it Tampa? <laughs> <laughs> Fort Dude, Lauderdale. T- I'm telling you, Tampa's. <laughs> it's wild. I, I stay at my friend. You know Mike Calta, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I stay at his house when I go down there. I play the the side splitters, right? Um, speaking of Tampa, I filmed my special down there too. Not to segue into that fucking Special plug. looks great. Did you get it? Yeah, I did. And it's on Louis? You doing it on LouisCK.com? LouisCK.com. He actually, he's the best, dude. He oh, came I to me. To death. I was opening for him in Europe, and he was like, do you have a special? I was like, no, I can't. Nobody will give me one. There it is. Kill box. Nobody will give me one. And he's like, I'm shooting your special. Where, where, what club was this at? We made this. Because I told him. We sat down and like, what do you want to do? I was like, Elvis is 68 special, his comeback special. I want that look where 10 by 10 stage, 12 inches off the ground, surrounded by people. I want it, I want it to be like the best, con- like the seller. Sides, kill box. You know, that that's oh, a term yeah. that we use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But dude, the place is a kill box, the store, nice. you know? Kill box. So we created this stage where... Uh, Coastal Creatives in St. Pete. We went in there, and they were like, "You can do whatever you want." They gave us comp blanche. So Louis got his whole team, his you know his Emmy, Grammy award winning team that does all his specials, and put them on me. And he showed up, and we shot this special. I tried to get a outfit like Elvis, but nothing fit at the time, <laughs> so I could only get that jacket, and I couldn't zip it. But uh, we shot this special, man. And so that was uh, Anthony Giordano's crew. The same people that do my stuff. Is it? Yeah, they do all my specials, too. Dude, I yeah, can't... they're the best. Because I, I wrote this on a piece of paper. I drew it. Like, this is what I want. And, yes, they, yeah. and then you show up that day, and you're like, holy shit. Anthony is the... He's the director of the UFC. Is he? Yes. And he directed my first special for I don't know me if it was in him. 2009. It was, well, he, I know he does Louis. Well, then he was, I think he was involved. Brady was involved. Leah. Yeah, yeah Brady. Um, oh, Brady. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's, okay. The, that's yeah. the people. Positive yeah. image. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody. They're the best. They're they were, the best. I couldn't believe that I went into this empty space. You go in there and it's, you can do whatever you want. And uh, I came back on show day and I walked in and they did it. That's what fat. That's why I love show business. That's why I love Hollywood. That's the part I love. People can make things happen. They just—it's it, like impossible to me. Like in my head, I'm like, dude. And then Louis <laughs> comes in. I step on stage. I'm like, um, dude, I love it. It's perfect. Louis comes in because he's a f- genius, and he goes, "This is wrong. That's wrong. Put this over there. Do this. I need 50 more people over here. I need 75. Put tickets, Bobby. Go to your Instagram. Sell more tickets. I want to fill this in." 30 minutes, and he made it 100% better. 
Wow. Because he just sees what he wants. He changed camera views. He did all the stuff. And they had, and, and then by the time we shot, it was unbelievable. And it was, we did two shows. A lady almost died. Wow. <laughs> what happened? Dude, I go on stage. I got Mike Calter's band, Pitbull Toddler, just a Florida, you know, a bunch of chubby dudes and t-shirts, <laughs> drumming, just they're awesome. They just jamming, kicking ass. And he, he my, he's my, one of my best friends. He's my best friend, Mike Calter. And he goes, ladies and gentlemen, with his, you know, radio voice, give it up for Robert Kelly. I wa camera goes down. I walk out. It's perfect. I get on stage. I'm like, this is great. 20 minutes in, I'm like, in your head. You know, you're filming specials. I got it. I'm in it. Yeah. I'm in it. I'm in this. And then I hear, help her. And I was like, what the fuck? Please help her. Center stage, second row. This guy's wife just. Caesar? I don't know. And I go, is she all right? He goes, no, Bobby. He, now he's using my name. Oh, which Jesus. Is fucking nuts. Bobby, help her. Did you her. keep it in the special? It's not in the special. <laughs> Dude, this is the fucking nuts. So we're going to release it later. Oh, if we, no. But Did you get a release from her? I'm going to talk to him. But So she, I go, here, give her my water. So I give her my stage water. And, I mean, tables, are, chairs are flipped, lights are on. I'm off stage. There's chairs on the stage I was just murdering on at my special. And everybody knows, when you shoot a special, you have two shows. The first one you get, the second one is just to have fun, right? Right. And I was doing it. I'm off stage. I immediately get an, a stress eye headache. I'm like, my, my head's pounding. I'm like, what the fuck? I see they're dragging this lady out. And, as, and Louie's right there. And as soon as they drag her by Louie and she's past him, he goes, we're good. We're good, man. Let's go. Like as soon as she was, <laughs> as soon as she was out the door, he was like, "Let's do it. We're gonna go." So you take this. I gotta go back off the stage. I, they take everything. They replace. Were you in the middle of a bit, dude? The middle of it. Did you start it from the beginning again? I, I just started. I started making fun of the situation. Like your comic instincts right, take right. over. I don't even know what I said. It was like being in a fight. Like you don't. I didn't know what right. happened. Right. I was fucked, dude. <laughs> I went on, I, I, I finished, I, I killed, you know, I did the rest, but you're in, I got a headache. Dude, I, it was nuts. I go back in the dressing room, I clear it out. I'm, I'm, I'm like, what the fuck? You know, fuck, I was pit, I was fucked in my head. And Louie comes in, he's like, dude, we, we were good, we're good. I'm like, no, we're not, dude. I don't know what the hell, I don't know. You know <laughs> I'm like holding my head and he's all of a sudden he gives me this he does a he gives me this Martin Luther King speech pep talk like he's like Martin Luther Quint King once said didn't work <laughs> then he goes to JFK <laughs> fucking didn't work then he holds up a video of Tom Brady giving a <laughs> speech and it's like you know when I was there they didn't want me. I wasn't fast enough. I wasn't this. And that worked. Tom Brady fucking. <laughs> Tom Brady. Dude, fucking worked. I was like, fucking, let's do this. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, we went on to the next show and killed it and uh, and got it. Thank oh, God. beautiful. And, and she lived. Like, <sighs> dude, that's I, nice. I came up to him. I go, is she okay? He goes, I don't fucking know. I don't give a shit. We have another <laughs> show today. <laughs> She said, all right. <laughs> I was like, really? I don't give a shit. We got another show. We got another show. Oh, 
<gasps> I gotta get this because <laughs> he paid. He paid for everything. Right, you know what I mean? Right. So it's all on his dime. So oh my God. he's like, "We got this fucking show, dude. I gotta get you right, motherfucker." Yeah. So we went out, did it. We got it, and and I love Tampa. I, they they they're that, wild people, dude. Florida saved me during the pandemic. That's why I was gonna do it in Boston, but I'm like, when that happened, I lost 55 shows in one night. Mm. I had a theater tour going with Creeps with Kids. Ron Bennington, Voss, Florentine, and me were doing this great theater thing that was sold out. And it all went away in one night. Like, mm. I got a call from my agent, Matt Frost. He's like, dude, it's all gone. I'm like, what? He goes, all your shows. And it's like, dude, I'm not a, you know, I'm a club guy too, you know? So this was, I finally had a theater tour that was successful. I was kind of crawling my way, and I finally had that, like, all right, let's do this. This right. is great. And it was gone. So Florida saved my ass Mm. because Side Splitters, Versani's, McCurdy's, you know, um, all these clubs down there, I could go down and fill the place up and do shows. So I was like, I got to go down there and do this. And and Mike Calter, you know, promoted the fuck out of it. So it was one of the only places where you could do shows. It was one of the only places you could do shows, but you could do shows without without the masks. Yes. Because to be honest, dude, I'd rather not perform then, then I can't, I need your mouth. Yeah. I need your mouth. Yeah. Because other than that, you the the eyebrow movement is the same as a great joke or you're offended. You know what I mean? <laughs> Look, and I, you hear... Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you hate me or love me. It's the same Muppet shit. Laughter through a mask is just it was very the, it strange. Was, it was the worst. I only did one show with people with masks on in the crowd. Well, I did a few outside with Chappelle where they were supposed to have masks on, but yeah. people didn't really have masks on. Yeah. Most people were like, fuck it, because it was in Texas. Yeah. But that was like peak pandemic. Right. But I did a show in, um, in Houston. We did the improv in Houston when you were still allowed to do shows indoors. Right. And uh, people had masks on. Yeah. It was very strange. Oh, these, the, 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 the special, dude, it was so fun. Nobody gave a fuck. We jammed them in there like sardines. <laughs> Nobody gave a shit. When, when was this? When did you film it? We filmed it, in, I think, in March. Um, yeah, March. Um, we went down there one night, rocked it out, and then Louis, uh, Louis put it on his website, man, which is nuts. It's great. Because he's creating his own. It's like, okay, I love that we don't have to ask I don't have to get a yes anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, you don't like me, whatever the fuck reason, Netflix, whoever, it's fine. I'm cool. I don't, I don't, I don't hate, you know what I mean? It's not like, fuck them. I don't, I don't have time for that shit. Right. And I just, I didn't, I couldn't afford to do it the way I wanted to do it. I didn't, I know I could do it another way, but I wanted it to be special. Mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, I wanted it to be special and I wanted, this was in my head. That Elvis comeback special was always like, that's the baddest Elvis ever, you know? And granted, I was Elvis at the end of his career, not really at that time when he was peak, but, and Louis, this is why I love him, man. He just, he was like, I got, I got it. Okay. Okay. I was like, great. And he did it. And he directed it. Because at one point he's like, we're going to maybe do this. I go, dude, I don't care if you're fucking using an iPhone. As long as your eye is yeah. looking through that camera that's what I want, because I know what you you know. You you know mm-hmm. you're one of the best. I had one of the best stand up comics walking today ever, ever. But alive yes. right now. Yes. Directing your special. <laughs> Paying for it. Paying for it. Directing it. Producing editing, it. Producing it. Yeah. Amazing. It's it's I can't I can't tell you how amazing that was. And to the pressure's on too, because if you suck, 
you know, he kind of wasted his money and his time. Yeah. But he and he put it on his website, which is nuts. I mean, that's, that's crazy because that people covet. You know, you know, when you get it, it's hard not to covet it because you're so afraid of losing it. Mm -hmm. But he's he's just like he's creating his own Netflix on his website. Uh, the movies there, his his TV mm -hmm. shows there, yep. his specials are all there. Yep. You can go there and pick what you want. My specials there. It's it's crazy that it's on there. And I'm, it's I'm, brilliant. What he's doing is brilliant. And it's a perfect answer to the problems that he faced after getting cancels. I brought him to uh, my club. I bought a club in Austin. I heard and you. I brought him there right when we were about to pour cement. And he was like, make the stage shorter, drop the ceiling down even lower, like do this, do that. I'm like, whatever he says. Just do whatever he says. Right. I didn't even, I just said, what, what else do you think? He's like, so all the ideas that he had, we implemented all of them. They were perfect ideas. Right. Like the stage was a little too big in the small room. We have a small room that's like 120 people. He's right. like, why is the stage so big? It should be smaller. I'm like, you're right. It should be smaller. How yeah. much smaller? <laughs> he's like, cut, it, cut it down to him. I'm like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's cut it. He has an eye for things. He's just, he's like a, like he shouldn't be doing comedy. He should be like curing fucking cancer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like his brain, if he, puts it in a direction, he just does it. It's like crazy. Like he's a really intelligent. When you mix intelligence with humor, mm -hmm. it's so powerful. Yeah. You, know, you have the same thing, dude. I mean, I remember when I was coming, I don't know if you know this, but when I was coming up in Boston, I got a lot of shit from my comedy because that's when Evening at the Improv and yeah. comedy, you know, half hour, all that stuff. And I remember people telling me, you have to clean it up. You need seven minutes of clean material. You need seven minutes of clean material. You, dude, you're too dirty. You talk about stuff. And I'm like, dude, I just got out of rehab. I was in jail at 13. My life is about bullshit and, and, and banging. And I don't, I don't understand. I, I, don't, I can't fucking read a newspaper. I barely can read. I don't, what do you want me to read? You want me to write topical shit? I don't have that. I'm, uh, you know. And I remember I saw you on uh, MTV's Comedy Half Hour, and you were talking about getting a, like how much pressure you apply to you know be you don't want to you know hurt you know how much do you how much be to to push a girl's I mean is there a thing you know what I mean it was oh just, it was when when a girl's like I go she's like kissing your lips and kissing your neck <laughs> kissing your, but she's spending way too, too much. much time <laughs> in this particular area <laughs> you're trying to encourage this <laughs> downward trajectory of her affection so you're like arching your back and you you putting your hand on your head but you don't know how hard you can push her head before she gets mad <laughs> it was fucking genius to me because every guy is because yeah. you don't want to be a fucking asshole. Right, right, right. But it's like, dude, this is doing nothing. Right. The, the, my nipples, I yeah. don't like it. What are you doing? And I was like, that's it. I go, that's what I want to do. That's the fucking comedy. That exists. Well, we were stuck in a time where there was a transi transitionary period between like doing sets for the Tonight Show, which made careers. Right. Like back then, Stephen Wright got on the Tonight Show, Richard Jenny, these guys got on the Tonight Show and it made their careers. Everybody yeah. knew them from the Tonight Show. Yeah. But there was guys like you and me that were stuck in this, we were wild kids. Right. And we were like early 20s and yeah. we we're like, that's not what I think about. Right. And I remember there was a guy that I worked with at Nick's Comedy Stop and, I, and he was telling me this, you gotta clean it up, you gotta stop saying fuck, you gotta do this. I go, but... I go, but my favorite comics are like Dice Clay. And he goes, yeah. so you're not Dice Clay. I go, well, 
Dice Clay wasn't Dice Clay until he became Dice Clay. Like, what? That's what I want to do. I don't right. want to do what you're doing. Yeah. Like, get it in your fucking head. That's not what I want to do. And he's like, well, you're going to work shit rooms. And I'm like, okay, well, that's what I have to do then. Because yeah. this is the, the comedy I want to do. I wanted to do comedy like Kinnison and right. Hicks. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do wild shit. That was the shit I liked. Yeah. It was like being in a rock and roll band and someone tells you you have to play classical music. Like, no, I want ACDC. Right. That's what I like. I like well, Highway to Hell. Well, it is uh, more profitable if you, like, it's more profitable. Back then it you'll, was. You'll, and even now. I mean, no, if, not anymore. Well, I mean, I think there is certain things you could do. I mean, the Tonight Show and all that stuff, I get it. But, you know, if you're, you could make a little more money if you could, Instagram will, you know, fucking flag your shit. And if you're telling clean stuff, it can go to everywhere. Even on Sirius Radio, if you do a clean album, you'll make, make way more money. Yeah, but YouTube, if you have a set like right. Schultz or someone like that, that, you know, his set got banned from a streaming website. Oof, One of the streamers. That was good. That was a it. nice catch. And they, they said, look, you got to edit this. And he's like, I'm not editing it. So yeah. I'm going to release it on my own website. Then I'll just put it yeah. on, on YouTube. And yeah. YouTube has got like fucking 7 million views now Schultz, in like a month. Schultz is the best. He's genius. Did you he, see the shit he put up about Kanye today? I didn't see it uh, pull, pull up his Instagram. <laughs> he's the best. This Kanye's losing his mind. He's helped me a lot with this too. He actually, I did his podcast, but he came up. He goes, give me, I want your clip person. I want to. Put me on a text thread with them. I want to tell them exactly what. Mm. He's another guy who doesn't covet. He's just right. like, dude, I'm going to tell you what to do. Do what I say, yeah. and shit's going to happen. And he is 100% right. He figured it out, and he shares that information yeah. if you want it. And I, he's helped me out so much. No, with, he's a great guy. He's, he's a fucking he's great. He's a great guy, man. He's a funny motherfucker. And he's on the path. He's fucking focused. He's on, he's the, on pa the path. Yeah. Did you find I had to type his entire name in to get his name to pop up. Ah, oh, uh, he's shadow banned. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up, but put it up for the beginning. Get, get... He's like a classic Hollywood star from back in the day, too, his looks. You gopher face Deutschback. <laughs> this week, Kanye went on a media blitzkrieg. He threw so many stones at the Jews, he's now an honorary general in the West Bank, <laughs> which is soon to be the only bank that will accept him. J.P. Morgan actually canceled his account, so the only transaction Kanye is going to have is when Caitlyn drops off the kids. <laughs> so what exactly did Ye say? <laughs> well, Hungry Hungry Hitler went on drink champs <laughs> with the most bloated cheeks I've ever seen on a human. The guy looks like a ninja turtle just had a root canal and proceeded to spout off more hate than a West Virginia water fountain. He claimed George Floyd was killed by fentanyl. Wrong. Kanye, we have video evidence of a throat getting crushed, and don't worry, Kim's not in it. He blamed the Jews for trying to silence him. Yay, the only Jew that's ever kept your mouth shut was the dentist that wired your jaw. I hear some people saying Kanye did bring up some very strong points. Yes. These points, that's it. <laughs> Kanye isn't the free thinker he claims to be. He just regurgitates the talking points of the latest pseudo-intellectual leech around him. The only original thoughts Kanye's ever had are Amber, Kim, and Julia. So, is Kanye insane? Selfishly? I hope he is. I'd rather believe this is the behavior of a guy battling bipolar disorder than accept I've been supporting a black skinhead for decades. So my message to you, Chipmunk Cheeks, is simple. Get better, better friends, better therapists, better perspective on the world, and better meds, and good luck, because you're going to need it. <laughs>
He's so good, man. <laughs> that thing that he did, the America series that he did on Netflix, yeah. like that, those like fast paced. He developed like a new kind of stand up that you could do with no audience yep. on Instagram because he doesn't have to wait for the laughs. So he just hammers you bang, 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 bang. Because when people were doing like Zoom stand up, it yeah. was terrible. <sighs> Because there's no laughter, because there's no audience. I never so did. So, what it. he figured yeah. out how to do is get rapid fire punchlines yeah. so that when you're watching it on your phone, it's fucking genius. Yeah. So, he starts it on his phone. Remember, turn your phone sideways. Yep. He does that. That's great. Amazing. It annoyed me. I, I texted him. I go, dude, I fucking want to hit you with a shovel. Because <laughs> I, I literally was like, ugh, this is, I got to turn it. I got to watch it. And then he takes that and does it to uh, Netflix. And it was fucking genius. It was yeah. a great move during the pandemic. Yeah, it's guys like him who figured it out. Mm. And I love I love that. That's why like this thing with Louie, it's like I can I can do this and, and get it out there. Yeah. And people can go buy it, and we don't have to ask. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. Yeah, that's that's the future because these fucking people that were the gatekeepers, they don't know what they're doing. Right. They just don't. Right. They are executives. They're not artists. They're not comedians. They're not funny. Right. So if they are funny, they've never done stand up. If they'd done stand up, they'd be doing stand up. Right. That's not what they do. So them telling you to do that yeah. is like me telling someone how to play football. I don't play football. I don't right. know what the fuck to tell you. I can say what you should do, but I'm probably going to be wrong. Mm. These guys, they they just get in the way. And so to have someone who does it, like Louie or like Schultz or like right. someone like that, that's what we need. That's the future. Well, it's funny too because like Louie said to me, I was like, dude, I got this whole thing on weight. He's like, I don't want that. I want you to just kill. Mm. Just, I want you to do a club set. Mm. Like you're at a club and kill for an hour. That's all I want out of you. I go, I got that hour. I got it. It's like, so, so this is a, it's not like that theater where you do and the thing swoops in and you deliver the thing. And no, you it look, looks great. It looks so, perfect. Yeah, That's, I love it. Yeah. I, I love that this is a, a thing now, that people are just figuring that out. Right. You know, and Louis really is at the front of the line of that shit. Louis yeah. and Schultz. And Schultz, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is the future. The future is not these fucking gatekeepers and executives. Because all those people are, like, if you say some wild shit on a special and then someone tries to bring it to a streaming service, and then the people start getting upset and yeah. protesting. That's on them. Right. Who greenlit this? Who yeah. said Bobby right. Kelly can say these things? Yeah. And they, I get it from their perspective. They've got mortgages and kids in private school. I know what the fuck is going on. Right. But that doesn't help us. Right. Like what? We, doesn't help the people. No. Because you're not seeing stuff that you might think would be offensive, but you laugh at it, and that's our job. Well, also, how many people are complaining versus how many people are enjoying right. it? They, it's a lack of perspective because they're only paying attention to the people that are writing emails and making these fucking campaigns. Right. And those people are losers. Right. For the most part. The right. people that get upset at a comedian telling jokes right. to the point where they want to contact sponsors and contact banks. They don't have anything going on with their life, and their thing is to try to get some sort of a result right. out of their efforts, and their efforts are negative to cancel you. 100%. If you don't like it, you don't have to listen. If you don't like a Quentin Tarantino movie where Brad Pitt smashes a woman's face on a mantelpiece, <laughs> don't watch it. Greatest. But that's the movie. That's the fit. That's the art. You don't have to. I, there's a lot of films that I don't like. Right. There's a lot of rap lyrics that I don't agree with. Right. But that's fine. You don't have to listen. You don't have to watch it. But this this today's kids, these activist minded kids think that they have some sort of a civil civic duty to try to like remove you 
from the entertainment ecosphere. Right. And this is what they have to deal with if they're at Netflix or if they're at any of these places. Well, they made comedy punk rock again. Yes. They made it's us wild. punk. And it's like you, 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 you did the wrong thing. Yeah. You did the wrong thing because now we're just going to go do it ourselves. I remember we were trying to come up a name for the special. And I said, uh, he's like, what do you got? I was like, um, can we call it Remember AIDS? Because <laughs> that's one of my jokes. And he goes, yeah. Yeah, if you want to call it that. I go, you sure? He goes, dude, yeah, fucking call it whatever you want. That's beautiful. You, you can call it fucking Dead Crack Babies. I love his last special's name, Sorry. <laughs> it was the greatest with it behind him. With a giant sorry, sorry behind him. It was unbelievable. Oh, it's amazing. And I was like, dude, where is the sorry? I want that. <laughs> he threw it out. I was like, I would have put he that. threw it out? Dude, the giant sorry? I was like, I would have put that on my like my land in New Hampshire. I would have put it in the woods. <laughs> just in the back, like hikers Get walking. Get all rusty, covered with leaves Could and you shit. imagine be a hiker just Ooh, walking through the woods? sorry for the Louis C.J. special? <laughs> That'd be fucking Holy epic. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. It's it, The whole thing is, this whole thing that they pushed us into this corner. Yeah. And now we're just doing, we're just helping each other. Yeah. Which is amazing to me. It's like, all right, we don't need you anymore. Well, it happened at the perfect time because these, all these things sort of combined together. And one of the things that, co that happened was the internet. Right. And through the internet, we no longer are competing against each other. So we're all now assets to each other. Right. Because, like, we do each other's podcasts. Right. We support each other's stand-up. Like, if someone's got some cool shit, I put it up on my Instagram. All that stuff just helps everybody. Right. And instead of, like, the old, like when I was coming up in the 90s, when you would get on a sitcom, like, I remember there was, like, all this resentment from other people that I knew that, like, had agents that sent them out for the same roles. Right. So we would, you know, if, like, we're all, like, kind of the same age... And there's like a guy who's like a fucking character on a sitcom. You're going up for it. He's going up for it. And if he gets it, you're like, fuck, that could have been me. Right. And you see him on the uh, CBS promo smiling. You're like, ah, oh, that could have been me. I remember when Kevin James got his sitcom. And uh, when he was, uh, he was, they were like playing these ads for the sitcom. And I remember some comedians like, that's like, fucking fuck that show. And it's not. I go, you're saying that because you wish it was you. Like, what are you talking about? You don't yeah. think it's funny? It's funny. Watch it. It's a funny show. Yeah. You're only upset because you feel like because someone else is successful, somehow or another, it took something away from you. Right. But it doesn't change the fact that it's successful. You're only damaging your own mind by thinking that way. Well, success, they, they kind of mind fuck you with the success thing because you, it's, it's a, it's, you have the potential to have dreams come true things you felt as a little kid or places you wanted to go or things you wanted to get or the life you wanted is this potential that that could happen in this business, right? Yeah. If I was a painter, I mean, you're going to paint, but in this business, you could become that thing that you dreamed about as a kid. And there's a time when you have to realize, at least for me, where I looked around one day and I'm trying to become this thing. And I'm like, I'm successful right now. I have a house. I got a wife. I got a son. I have a, two cars. You know, one's a truck and one's a Honda CRV. I, but I have it. Like I have all this stuff. From talking shit. From talking shit. <laughs> I'm, I did it. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Whatever, whatever else I have is gravy. Is gravy. Yeah. I have friends, real friends. And 
I'm like, I did it, dude. That's I, making it. That's making yes. it. Yes. And I can go on any stage and fucking make people laugh. And you know what the opposite of that is? There's people that are very successful. They're very famous. They have shows. They have this. They have that. And no one likes them. Yeah. They're the opposite. Right. That's not making it. It's not you making You think it. you're making it because on paper you're successful. So you're always trying to compare your success to other people's success. Yeah. And you're always trying to stay ahead of them because it's the only thing you have. That's it. Because you don't have the friends and you don't have the family. Mm -hmm. And you don't have love from your, your peers and like just fun times. Yeah. Hanging out. Talking it, shit. You don't have gratitude. Right. You, you don't, don't have gratitude. Every day. I wake up in the morning and I don't touch my phone. First thing I was, I was, I was touching my phone. I don't touch it. I sit on my bed and I think about what I'm grateful for. It's usually my kid, my wife, my friends, my family. And all of a sudden I smile every day. I start to smile. That's awesome. And then I go about my day. Cause if I wake up and I just go and I grab the wheel and I just start, I fucking smash into shit. Right. You get, you're on momentum then. If I wake yeah. up and just take that five or ten minutes to just think about all the great shit that I'm, I'm grateful for, and it's not any fame, it's not any, it never goes there. Right. It it's always starts with my son, and then it goes to my wife, and, I, and things around, like us, things we're going to do, and I'm like, ugh, and I just start to smile, and then I'm good. I'm good. If I don't do that... I'm yelling at somebody or I'm fucking angry and the, the anxiety sets in, the fear sets in because anxiety and fear turn into anger for me. And then all of a sudden I'm like, this fucking guy and this, and then I'm like, but I'm at the point now where I can be like, chill, go sit down, think about what you got. You, It's great. It's fantastic. You know? Yeah. And, and, and now it, it's, it's, it's why, that's why I bought the tiny house. Like in the middle of the pandemic, I'm not rich, dude. I don't, I don't have a lot of money. You know, I mean, after this appearance, my special will sell millions of things and I'll be rich and we'll get cars <laughs> together and I'll move to fucking Austin and I'll fucking play your club. Get yourself uh, a Chevelle. I'll, I'd love a Chevelle. It's my fucking favorite car. It's such a badass car. Um, but, you know, in the middle of it, I'm sitting there, t I told my wife, I'm like, okay, everything was taken away. All the fame, all the shows, money. I'm figuring out how to make money. I, well, I got us. Don't worry about it. But we got each other. I go, I'm waiting to buy land in the country and I'm waiting to get the lake house and be, I'm waiting to become famous, to become a millionaire, to be happy. No, mm. let's just do it now. Let's just be happy. Let's yeah. go be happy right now. Yeah. I went and bought a tiny house from like the tiny homes of Maine, this awesome couple in the fucking woods of Maine. They build these amazing houses. Is it like a prefab where they like put together? Do you get to design it? You online design it. Or? You can go go. I, we drove up there. I met them. They live on a Is sixty. It, they have a website. They have yeah, tiny what homes in Maine. Go to tiny homes. They have a uh, sixty-eight acres. They live on a uh, old Christmas tree farm. Oh wow! Dude, me and my wife and my son and my dog drove up there. It was like eight hours. We had to stop in Bangor for the night. And we went up there. They let us into the home. They're past Bangor. Yeah, Whoa. it's near Canada. Oh, Jesus. And we hung out with this couple. They're the coolest couple ever. And there it is. Yeah. Tiny Homes of Maine. Click that's on that my, one. That's my house right there. Which one? The, the one to the right. That's the one. That's my. That's what I have. Right oh, there. Oh, wow. So that, oh, that's where, fucking cool. Where the bed is is our living room. That's Max is my son's uh, loft. Oh. That's where the kitchen table is, where the couch is. And, you know, and then you could take those stairs up to my sleeping loft. 
And so the kitchen table folds out? No, well, it can, but it, we leave it out. And then, uh, yeah. Like That's they, fucking they, great. They, we have a full kitchen, full bathroom, shower. Sounds like a giant camper. It's, well, yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's, it is. But it they, is. they, you customize the whole thing. And oh, it, that's fucking cool. And we went up there. We met with these people. We hung out with them. And we bought the house off them. That's, and it's not that expensive. That's great. And, and they take it out on wheels. Well, we didn't. We, we, oh, you we, had it built out there? No, we had, no, they drove it down. They so drove it they, down from Maine. Yeah. Oh, so they drive it down in a giant truck and then they piece it together? We had to buy the land first. We, we went from their house to New Hampshire and bought, I bought two and a half acres in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Wow. And, but behind my land is 500 acres of forest. Oh, wow. So we had uh, my contract, the guy bought the land off of Barry, such a great guy. And uh, he did all the land. So we had a septic put in, we had dug a well, that thing's hooked up. So wow. we, we just... So now, Do you have solar power or anything up there? Not yet. We have power. I have K. I have Wi-Fi. I don't have cable. There's no cable. We have a uh, Wi-Fi because I do my podcasting up there. So in the summer, really? June and July, we go up to New Hampshire, and my kid goes to camp in New Hampshire, and I go out of there. So if I do get a gig, I, I it's got to be a big gig. I'll leave there. So this whole summer, two months, I was up in New Hampshire in the tiny house. It was the best summer of our lives. My kid was going to camp, but there's a different. You go to camp in Westchester, you're at a college pool, playing in dirt and a you know kickball in a, right. in a in a schoolyard. You go up there, dude. He did a sleepover on an island. He's canoeing. He's hiking four thousand foot uh, mountains. Uh, he's. I gave him a pellet gun. He's shooting a pellet gun. I gave him a bow and arrow. He's. <laughs> we're going to get our hunting license next year. Me and him. Really? Yeah, dude. He's. He, it's like I. I, I love, see, he walked out in the woods one day, he woke up, he had all camo, and he was out in the woods with his bow and arrow just walking around. And I was like, fucking thank you. Thank you. That's you know? great. And, uh, and you don't need anything, dude. You don't need anything. One thing I learned when I, I went to LA, remember pilot season? Oh, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. So anxiety filled. Yeah, there was Everyone's like- Everyone's freaking out. It was three months, you'd have to go to LA for pilot season because that's where they did all the casting. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. It was I was first went in 93. It's terrifying. It was, it was just, so weird. I remember I went out there, I rented an apartment in West Hollywood, and there was uh, one fork, one spoon, one knife, one plate, one bowl, D one cup. Was it one of those um, apartments like, uh, what are they called? Oakwoods? Remember those? Mm. You know, they had those uh, prefab places? Yeah. That's where I, st I stayed when I first moved there. Norton stayed there too, and he had cockroaches. Oh yeah, everything. Yeah. No, Coyotes. This was a dude's apartment. Oh, above a garage. Oh, so you just it's like an Airbnb. Oh, okay. And uh, I realized that's all you need is one. I, I need one fork. Yeah. I need one spoon. I don't need. Yeah, just wash it. Seventy-five. Yeah. So when we got this, I was like, baby, we don't need. We don't need it. We don't yeah. need all the space. It's we don't true. need all the shit. We're together. I mean, you have to love your family. If you get a tiny home, you can't love your son and like your wife. Right. Because you're a murderer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you kind of like your wife, get a house. <laughs> get a place yeah. you can hide. Yeah. But, yeah. but you can't, it, it, it was so, you never even think about it. I remember when I first moved to LA, it was in 94, uh, and uh, I got an apartment in North Hollywood, and it was a nice apartment with a loft, and I had a pool table in my apartment, and I would come home to my apartment I'm like this is crazy I can't believe I live here this right. is amazing and then after a while I got used to it 
And then I remember sitting down on the floor of my apartment one day going, oh, okay. It's just home. Like, you get used to everything. Yeah. And even if you're like, like now I live in a really nice house, but it's just a house. Yeah. You get used to it, you know? Yeah. Like, every, it's just home. Like, it's very, most things like that, like big, giant, crazy things, they're very overrated. They're not worth the effort that it takes to acquire them, and you don't get the level of satisfaction out of having them that you think you would. There's some things you're going to enjoy in life. Like, there's some things that I still enjoy. I I still enjoy cars. Like, I still enjoy hot rods, and I still enjoy, like, I get a wild thrill out of driving them. It just feels good. It's like taking a drug. It's like, ah, it's fun. But- most of those things that people try to acquire, they just look good to other people because they're unattainable. Yeah. Because, like, you see that big house on the hill, like, wow, who lives there? Yeah. The guy who lives there, that's just his fucking house. That's it. Once he gets in there and he's watching TV, it's just a fucking house. Yeah. You know, he's eating dinner. It's just a house. Yeah. If you don't have good quality of life inside of that, like a, a wife that you love, children that are happy, if you don't have that, yeah. then you have nothing. It's, you have it, nonsense. I would wake up every day... And while we were up in the tiny house, and I just walk, I'd walk with the dog. I just walk in the up the country roads every day. I would walk up the streets with the dog and take a you know a three mile walk, mm. and come back, and then I'd meditate for like twenty minutes out in front in the woods, and then my kid would come out and sit with me. It's like that's the shit you do. Yeah. Like five o'clock, I remember five o'clock would come around and we'd just jump in the truck and go fishing down the street. Oh, that's awesome. Until the sun went down and then we'd come back and we'd grill and then we'd start a fire. We'd sit by the fire and have the shit scared out of us every five seconds. Because <laughs> you think... Yeah, think. Well, the thing is, is when you're in, like at my house in Westchester, if you hear the something in the woods... It's probably, you know, a Jewish guy. There's a Jewish temple behind my house. You know what I mean? It's it's a neighbor or something. It's maybe a squirrel. When you're up there, if you hear something, it's something. Like it's not yeah. nothing. Like you have to Yeah. You kind of got to be ready cuz it could be something. It, it could be a bear. It could be a deer, it could be a bear, it could be fucking anything. So it is like no matter how much I want to man up and be like it's good, we're good. <laughs> you know, I have that flashlight. You like this every yeah. five seconds, looking yeah. for eyes. But there's something about that. Mm-hmm. There's something about that fear of. It's exciting, dude. The, there's something about the woods, man, mm-hmm. that scares the. Sh- I am petrified in the woods. <laughs> I'm petrified. I'm petrified. Like when me and Ari went out to the woods and we went camping. I I did it with Paul Verzi one. That was the funniest thing ever, though. I took Paul Verzi up in the woods. Um, how did he handle it? <laughs> dude. <laughs> Verzi's the best dude. Dude, he shows up with fucking camo Nikes. He's like, these are good, right? I'm like, <laughs> dude, just because they're camo. <laughs> he's like, no, no these, are hiking, lose these, these are hiking. These are hiking. These are hiking Nikes. I'm like, no, no, no. Uh, and then I go, I go, dude. Okay, so I I prepared his backpack and my backpack for a night up in the woods. I go, okay, I'm, I'm explaining everything. I go, okay, here's your poop bag. He goes, what, what, what? I go, your poop bag. You got a trowel. He goes, what do you, what do you mean? I got to, I go, when you have to poop, you, you can't just shit in the woods, dude. It's, it's, you can't, you got to dig a hole, shit in the hole. I explained the whole thing. He's like, all right, dude. Okay. So we're driving up there and he's just off in the distance. And he's like, I'm like, what's up? He's like, listen, here's the deal. I got it. I got to figure it out. Cause I can't shit in the woods. We're going to go to Dunkin' Donuts right now. We're going to get two. Uh, sausage egg sandwiches each. 
We're going to get a large coffee each, iced coffee. We're going to truck it down, suck it all down. That's going to push all the shit out of us. <laughs> We're going to shit at Dunkin' Donuts, and then we'll be good for the night. We'll come home tomorrow. We'll be good. I was like, all right, dude. So I go to Dunkin' Donuts. We get the sandwiches. We get there. We eat it, drink it, and we both shit. <laughs> it In fucking, Dunkin' Donuts. Dude, it worked. It fucking worked. <laughs> As a plan. We shit at Dunkin' Donuts. We didn't have to shit all night. Then halfway up the mountain, right, I, I go, uh, you got your blanket? Where's your blanket? Because I didn't see it on his back. He goes, I left it at the truck. And I was like, oh, fuck. He's like, am I f- fucked? I go, dude, it's like an hour back. I go, you're fine. But I knew, people don't understand, camping is not comfortable. It's not. You're not going to, all the gear you can get, you're not going to be comfortable. Unless you're car camping at a KOA or something. Right. You get cots and whatever. Um, I was like, oh, you'll be fine. And I knew it was going to drop to like 60-something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we got all the way up there where, you know, I got my, my uh, Japanese saw and I, he's cutting the wood and we're getting all the stuff. And we found a little site and we cooking sausages on sticks. And he made a vampire spear for some reason. I don't know. He's like, dude, just in case. A vampire spear? <laughs> it's a spear. Like a stake through like the heart stake. type deal? <laughs> like he sharpened it and everything? Dude, he made a vampire. <laughs> he was serious? That was the only weapon he brought? That's it. He's like, dude, in case somebody comes, I'll fucking, like a vampire, I'll stick oh, him to the heart. boy. Was he serious or was he fucking around? 100% serious. <laughs> dude, like vampires, dude. You know what I mean? 100%. <laughs> dude, you stick him right to the heart, you know? Good. But, he, but you didn't understand when the sun and everything's up, it's great. It's awesome. It's the woods. It's beautiful. But when the sun goes away and, and it's dark, some, it, something happens. Like it, it gets, and I'm, I'm, I am, I'm still frightened. It, you get scared, dude. Cause yeah, it's scary. You it, don't know what's going on. It's natural instincts. Yeah, it's, it's a weird feeling when that sun goes away and you have that little flashlight and you have the light of the fire and there's nobody around for a long time and if you do hear somebody if you know you it's weird yeah. it's a weird thing and uh we got up there and we we hung out and you'd hear coyotes in the distance and you'd hear you know stuff in the bushes and stuff walking towards you and it was great just to see him panic you know and i had to kind of keep my shit together then we went to bed and uh he had no blanket and it dropped to like 65 Oof. Which is fucking awful. Did he have clothes that he could like double well, up he and woke, triple up? <clears throat> I woke up the next morning. He can't, he had my little solo tent, a little my little uh, ultralight tent, and I was in my hammock. I had a really nice hammock, our ar- hammock, these awesome hammocks. And uh, I woke up, and he comes out of the tent. He had all his clothes on, so he had shorts on his head. He had shorts <laughs> stuff. He had socks on his hands. He had, <laughs> he, had, he had woke up in the night and just took all his stuff and put it on because it was so fucking cold. <laughs> and we both snore, so I would wake him up and then he would wake me up. Oh, no. All night, dude. It was fucking, it was epic. Going with him was one of my funnest times ever because he was so like, what the fuck? <laughs> he woke up the next day and it shit all over his head. Dude, it was freezing out last night. He goes, I almost, he was going to jump on the hammock with me. He was like, dude, oh, I almost going. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do a solo trip by myself, but my wife won't let me do it. That's sketchy. Why? If you get injured. Yeah, that's yeah. I guess break an ankle, you're fucked. I'm you fucked. Crawl for miles. Well, I, you, you know, know, you got the the uh, new iPhone SOS. Yeah. You know where you the can call one. somebody, but I just think that, that I'm so afraid of it, Joe. 
I'm so afraid of going out in the woods by myself that I kind of I just want to do it. Hmm. I just want to. I have a lot of friends that do solo hunting trips. I see that yeah, they go. Uh, they go with a, a large pack on their back, and they go out deep, deep, deep into the woods, and uh, they'll spend a week out there hunting by themselves. And if they get an animal, they pack it out on their back. They're bow hunting too. There's something about that where it's like I wish I could. I wish I could go back ten years and learn how to do that. You can learn now. You're yeah. alive now. Yeah. You don't have to go back. I, I hate when people say that. I wish I did it when I was younger. Yeah, but you didn't. So you're alive right now. Yeah. And when you're 80, you'll go. Oh, I wish I did it when I was 50. You know. No, you're at, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I mean. I am gonna get. I'm gonna take a hunting course next year when we get up there. Me and my son, because he wants to hunt. Uh, Do they have courses up there? Yeah, you can take a course. Uh, I think it's a three day course. Oh, you that's can, great. You can jump in. So we're gonna take that. It's just like who's the guy that I saw you and Callan go out with? Steve Rinella. Yeah, I love his show. Oh, he's great. I love yeah. him. I love it. And I, and I see him just go out there, you know, by himself with a with a backpack. And just sleep on the on the ground. Yeah, like no tent, no not just fucking curl up on the ground. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, like the fact that we did that not too long ago. You know, when you think about it, what 150 years ago, people were yeah were doing that like nothing. It was normal. It I was mean, normal. It's normal for Steve. Steve Rinella, when we we went mule deer hunting a couple years back in Nevada, and uh, he fucking slept on the ground. He just uh, lays out a sleeping bag on the ground because it was summer, because yeah. it was pr pretty warm out where yeah. you, where we went, and you know just fucking climbed to the sleeping bag, fucking goes to sleep on the ground. Yeah. It's right there, no tent, no nothing. It's fucking crazy. Okay. Uh, I Why love not? it. It's like I'm a big fan of westerns. Yeah. And they would just you know pull over, light a fire, have yep. some coffee, just lie down, and just lie down. Yeah. The pillow was their saddle. And the thing is. When that fire goes out and you look up at the stars, like, oh, it's so peaceful. It puts it all into perspective. I love going to the woods. When I go hunting every year, whenever I come back, I tell my wife, like, I need to do this more often. And it's not even just about killing an animal and eating it. It's, it's really about the reset. Like, going out there and being alone and being, you know, away from civilization completely and, and seeing wild animals and hearing them and... And stalking them and going up the mountains. It's just everything about it is, it requires all of your focus. Yeah. And it also, it, it's like a good reset for my mind. It makes me miss my family. Mm -hmm. It makes me miss my friends. It makes me very appreciative of things. And it just puts it all into perspective. It just, you, you, there's no cell phone service up there. So you're not checking your social media. You're not doing shit. Yeah. You, all you're doing is just uh, up there being one with nature. Being yeah. a part of nature. Yeah, it's it's uh, and to know you have to know about the things you're in. You have to know about nature. You have to know about trees. You have to know about plants. You have to know about the animals. And it's a long learning curve. Yeah. You know, when I first went hunting with Ranella was uh, 2012, so it was 10 years ago. That video with me and Callan. Yeah. And w I didn't know jack shit. I mean, I'd been fishing a few times, but what had happened was I had seen a bunch of uh, PETA videos. And I was like, okay, I'm either going to become a vegetarian or I'm going to become a hunter because I, I don't want to be a part of this factory farming thing. It's yeah. just horrific. Yeah. And so he, we went and I shot that deer right there, that, that skull that's on the, the table. That's the reason why it's there. 
that was the first animal that I killed and ate. I ate it all in like three months. And uh, I was like, I can't wait to go back. That's what I want to do now. I just want to eat wild animals. Yeah. And just go out there and get my own food. And th- just the reset alone. And Callan and I had the best time. Because <laughs> he got two comics and a bunch of these, like, hard-nosed fucking, you know, like, hard-camping hunters. And Callan's taking his shit. And we put, like, a silver flag in it. We put a flag in his shit. And I took a picture of him. <laughs> and he's, like, sitting there squatting. We had a fucking blast. We were just crying laughing. Because yeah. Callan, if, like, he has a captive audience, he's one of the funniest motherfuckers alive. He really is. And he, was, he had this character that he did uh, called the Ravine Comer. So he would... He would <laughs> He would go to a ravine and pretend like he's coming in the ravine. <laughs> and like, I'm not doing it justice. We were fucking tears. We were, we were butchering a deer while Callan's pretending to jack off into a ravine. He's pulling his pants down, so we're only seeing his butt. Yeah. And he's like pretending to jack off into this ravine. He created this character. Oh, my God. It was so fun. Even in that show, he was fucking killing it. Oh, my God. And so much of it we left out. We have to leave out the ravine comer. The ravine comer never... <laughs> That's not the it name ne- of the episode? It should have been. <laughs> it never made the cut. We had so much fun. But it was also it was beautiful. I remember um, we were eating over a fire. We were... Uh, there was a... <laughs> I think one scene actually did make it in because uh, when I went to shoot that deer i had to crawl to a position and lay the rifle down on a rock to get a good spot and i crawled right over a cactus so i had cactus thorns Ugh. all over my legs so i had my pants down <laughs> by the fire i think that's a vi- I think there's a video of it online of callan with needle nose pliers <laughs> pulling <laughs> pulling cactus thorns out of my ass <laughs> and legs while we're we're eating this meat over a fire that's a friend Oh, that's a friend. But when we were there eating that meat over the fire, it was so satisfying. And the meat was so good because it was so fresh. And it was like, you know, we just put salt on it, like maybe salt and a little pepper. And we were just frying, you know, but we're grilling it over this fire. And I remember thinking, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, this is the most fun, the most, the food was so delicious and it was so satisfying. And if you've never had wild game before, like people have this idea like gamey, tastes bad. Like, no, 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 no. That's nonsense. That's just the only time wild meat is gamey is when people prepare it wrong. When they let it go bad or the, it gets dirty or the glands of the animal, animal they, when, they're in ma- when they're in the rut, when they're mating. Yeah. They have a tarsal gland that's a gland on their leg. And if you puncture that gland and that the, the scent gets on the meat, it tastes like shit. Right. But that's just a lack of proper preparation. You just have to be careful and treat it with respect. And I think the you meat should, is delicious. I think you should. I feel like everybody should know how to hunt. Because if stuff does go south. Yeah. I remember in New York with the blackout. I don't know if you remember that back in mm-hmm. wherever the fuck it was. I remember... It turned so wild quick. when that sun went down. Quick. There was no lights. Quick. A day. Yeah, yeah. I told my wife, I go, I go. there's no electricity. All the delis were giving out their ice cream. Uh, it was all, every, you know, and everybody was having a good time. I go, where are you? She goes, I'm down having margaritas in Soho. I'm going, get your ass on the highway and walk home right now. Wow. There was people, regular people directing traffic. Because people were almost getting killed because there was no streetlights. People trying to get out of the city 
So, you know, there's not enough mm. cops. I go walk up the West Side Highway, get home. The big high rises, people, there was no lights. You couldn't, like, people had to walk in these dark hallways, 40 flights. There's no mm. elevators. So people were, like, staying on the bottom floor with flashlights to help people up to their apartments. Wow. And I remember we took a walk one block. We were on 40, 43rd between 10th and 11th. We walked up to 9th. And we turned around because it was chaos. You know who didn't give a fuck? Who? Homeless people. Look at that. Is that what it was like? Yeah. Look at that. Wow. That's no one lights. day, a few hours without electricity in Manhattan, and it Whoa. turned. It turned. It turned crazy. What about the people that were stuck on the trains? Yeah, dude. They had to walk out through the subway. <gasps> They walk to, out through those right tunnels there. with all those fucking rats. Yeah, they had to walk out through the. Uh, and there's actually buildings. In New York, I don't know if you know this, there's, there's townhouses. They look like townhouses, but they're empty. They're actually subway escape routes. They're vents for the subway. It looks like a brownstone, but inside is a vent for the subway. And mm. if people get stuck in the subway, they actually come out through that uh, brownstone. Look at all those people walking out through the subways. Airport's How done. long did the blackout last one, for? One night. That's it? We walked up to 9th Ave. There was barrels on fire. <laughs> A homeless guy came up and we were with a friend of ours, grabbed the girl's ass, like stuck his hand in her, her twat. It was like, <sighs> oh Jesus and Christ. we turned around and went back to the house and just sat in the house. I stayed up all night. Wow. I mean, and that's one night. That's one night and the city went chaos. Look at all those people walking on the bridge. Holy Dude. fucking shit. Holy fucking shit. Look at all those people on that bridge. Is that crazy? That's, that's scary. Wild. That, that frightens me. That's wild. Well, that's a zombie movie, right? That's yeah. how it goes down. Look at that cool motherfucker with a saxophone. <laughs> though. That dude probably got all the pussy. <laughs> he got all that look pandemic at, pussy. Look at. I mean, it's whipped wow. back. I mean, that means shit right now. Yeah. The it, it's shit. Yeah. The sun went down. It was, New York City was just like being in New Hampshire. We had a power outage out here. A couple. Was it a year and a half ago, Jamie? Yeah, February. Fe February twenty one. And um, it was weird. Yeah. It was weird because it snowed. And so no one out here knows how to drive in the snow right. at all. And then the roads iced over because they don't have plows. So the, it was like freezing rain and then, you know, worst conditions ever. Freezing right. rain first, then snow. So you have a layer of ice over the roads and then you have snow on top of that. And just people sliding off, crashing into each other. No one knew what the fuck to do. They all have SUVs, four-wheel drive. They don't know how to use it. Well, they have SUVs with street tires on right. them. They have like a Cayenne, right. you know, a Porsche Cayenne with those fat walls. It's like fucking sports car tires. Yeah. They're terrible. I have a 1995 Land Cruiser that I had built for the apocalypse. <laughs> I had like- I'm yeah, coming to your house. Come to my goes house. Down, I have tons of meat. Literally. Yeah, I've, I've commercial freezers filled with meat. I have three commercial freezers here filled with meat. <laughs> yeah. I'm not fucking around. Oh, I fucking yeah, yeah. No, I I keep wild meat. I give a lot of it to my friends, and I I cook a lot of it. But when the shit goes down, the real problem is not meat. It's bullets. Like how how many bullets do you have? Right. Like if you you have a box of bullets, <laughs> what's that? A hundred bullets? Yeah. You know how quick a hundred bullets goes when you're hunting? Yeah. You're trying to find meat. Yeah. Like how good a shot are you? Right. Like, how, do you do you know about the wind? Do you know about like keeping away from like you have to have scent. Like, uh, you have to have a a, a scent a wind catcher. You're like so, or a, a a wind detector. So what it is is like talcum powder, and you have a little bottle. Like when you hunt, you squeeze this bottle in the air, and a mist of smoke 
like a talcum powder goes in the air and then it drifts which way the wind goes. It's a wind detector. Right. So you know you have to be on the right side of the wind. If you are above the deer and the wind is blowing down towards them, they're going to run away from hundreds of right. yards away. Yeah. So you have to plan the wind correctly. So as you're walking in, you got to like it's not easy. Like yeah. the idea that oh yeah oh the way I got a gun I'll be fine you're not gonna be fine first of all the animals are gonna figure out real quick that they're being hunted so they're gonna disappear and they're gonna go nocturnal right. and you're not gonna find them and plus people don't know that you know you think that if something goes down you just go kill a deer it's like no you get kill a squirrel kill a small animal and eat that unless you know how to gut that deer. And, and get that meat prepared. Yeah, and if it, it's hot out, you, the, the yeah. deer's good for one day. One day. Yeah. So you got to know how to smoke it or whatever you do to it to right. keep it. It's you know you're gonna have to jerk it. You're gonna have to like take. You have it to and jerk it off. It. You jerk have to off. jerk off the deer and <laughs> take it. You're gonna make it <laughs> slice it in the thin pieces, and you're gonna have to dry it out. Yeah. And it, even then, it's not gonna last forever. You yeah. have to salt it. We're There's fucked. A lot of stuff you have to do. We're fucked. We're fucked. Yeah. Not all of us. You're not fucked. I'm still kind of fucked. Because then it's gonna the, then the real problem is not animals and food. The real problem is people that don't have animals or food. That's the real problem. Is the the, the other people that are around you. Yeah. Like if you're in a po highly populated area and it runs out of food, it doesn't matter what you have. Like your main problem now is other people that are desperate. Right. And you can only give them so much. Like you can't give them everything you have. So yeah. even if you want to help out. The only way you, you got to have a community, and then everyone in the community has to chip in, yeah. and you have to know that you can count on each other, so you become an asset to each other and not like a competitor. Right. It's like the Walking Dead shit. Yes, exactly. The zombies weren't the problem. No. The problem was other people. Yeah, that's right. And that's fucking real. Like yeah. in Manhattan, if like if if Manhattan gets hit with a nuke. You know, and then the power goes out, yeah. and then all the people in Westchester and all the people in Connecticut are the only ones to survive. Ooh. I saw that episode with uh, what's her name? Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi, I love her. She scares the, the fuck out of me with that that, that the, commercial. The, well, the talking about Russia, like that that sort of explanation of how quickly things can go badly, yeah. and how we're contributing to that by you know funneling money and funnel, funneling arms over to Ukraine. Right. As much as you think of what Russia has done is horrific, we're we're on the verge of nuclear war right now. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are profiting off of that. Unfortunately, there's a whole industry of arms manufacturers who are accelerating that. That would suck if my special becomes a hit and then the fucking bomb hits. And, you know, no Americans can even travel over to Russia. It's fucking dangerous. Yeah. Brittany Griner is over there, you know, rotting in a fucking cell. They're, they gave her nine years for having a, a marijuana vape pen on her. Meanwhile, like in America, we have Russian fighters that fight in the UFC all the time. Yeah. They're 100% safe. Yeah. They come over here, they fight. Pyotr Jan from Russia is fighting for the title. Yeah. He's fighting uh, this weekend. Yeah. yeah. We, we have that. plenty of Russians come over here. They get treated fine. But if you're an American, you go over to Russia, you're fucked. Yeah. Not good. It sucks because we were, we were kind of cool with them for yes, a minute. Yes, forever. Right? Yes. Dude, Roy Jones Jr. became a fucking Russian citizen. <laughs> He did. How? He's friends with Putin. Because, you know, they love him for his boxing. Right. He had some fights over there and, you know, would go over there. And so they gave him Russian citizenship. He's got a Russian passport. Yeah, we were we were cool with them for a while. Yeah. They were fucking wearing our jeans and shit. Oh, and yeah. It's great. <laughs> loving us. I remember, People, who was it? Fun. Know him from the comedy cell, the owner. Mm -hmm. You know him? Mm -hmm. Love him. One of my good friends, he's, he's, he's a genius, too. He's a lawyer. He's a master musician. He owns the, one of the best clubs in the country. And he would go over there. His band would play. 
his band would go to Russia and do shows, which was fucking wow. great. Yeah, he'd just go over there and do shows. His friend, my friend Andy or something, has business over there, so they'd just all go over there, his whole band, do shows for a week, and, and then during, come back. During the fucking invasion, Louis was scheduled to do shows yeah. in Ukraine. Yeah. And I texted him, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, uh, I'm over here uh, hiding in a bomb shelter. I'm like, no, I'm not going. <laughs> He's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. He was a day was, from doing it. He though. was going to do the show, yeah, period, gonna, even yeah. though they were invading Ukraine. He would have been fucked. Wouldn't be good. No. No. Did you ever do any of the USO tours? No, I didn't. Never? No. I thought you would have done those. Yeah, I was scared of getting blown up. I went over there. I went over there. I was Quinn. I went with Dane and Quinn. I went Quinn the first time. When I went with Quinn, it was right when the war started. And uh, uh, it was scary, man. I mean, it was scary. I can imagine. We landed in, um, we were doing two shows a day. So you'd fly in on a Chinook. And, um, a helicopter. Yeah, we we're doing helicopters, and uh, I remember we flew in, and we were at uh, the palaces. The one they didn't all the pay had thirty six palaces or something, and they didn't bomb any of them. Uh, they sent one rocket through his bedroom window, just to let him know what they could do, because they used all those palaces as camps, as bases, because they're yeah. already fortified. Yeah. So they didn't have to make a base; they just used it. So I stayed in Uday's palace. Whoa. I took a shit on Saddam's gold toilet. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I got a picture of me taking a shit on his Where's gold that toilet. Picture? Ah, it's on some. I think it's on my my MySpace. <laughs> you know, remember MySpace? <laughs> what happened to Tom? Um, Tom fucking cashed out. Yeah, Tom where, Tom made it. But where is he? I don't know. But he's a hero. Tom never fucked with us. He never edited anything. Never. He never. He was your first friend. Never. Just yeah. He was your friend. I remember that? He yeah. was sitting there sideways. He never canceled anybody's account for misinformation. Oh, love Tom. Imagine like going back to that time and thinking what the internet would become. No yeah. one would have ever imagined. Yeah. No one would have ever imagined. I mean, me and you were kind of. You were doing it. I was doing it. Websites. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, videos. But it was so new. Yeah. No one had even an inkling of what it would become. You know, it was all, it was so strange because all it was was like, you know, you had to find out about a cool website and yeah. you would go to that. You weren't even using search engines. Yeah. You would find out about a website from your friend. Like, yeah. hey, you ever heard of the Style Project? Go there. <laughs> and you go there and you see like people getting eaten by animals and shit, and yeah. bullet wounds and stuff and wild, crazy shit. Yeah, you had JoeRogan.net. Yeah. And you used to write blogs. I had a buy.com. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a real estate guy. Where was he? I think he was in Idaho. I, mm, I forget. I think he's in Iowa. Iowa. No. Idaho? Idaho. And uh, I, that's, that's water and this is coffee. There's, there's water in there right there. Thanks. But uh, yeah, I had to buy uh, JoeRogan.com. I remember you had it. I had uh, I invented social media. How'd you do that? I uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking great response. How'd you do that? <laughs> fucking perfect. Uh, not questioning it at all. <laughs> I had remember guest books. No. Okay, there was a website you could just sign up called it was a guest book. So your fans could come. And leave comments, and you could read them and reply to them. Oh, it's just a guest book, like almost like at a funeral or what a wedding. What was this? Um, oh, Jesus, man, this had to be ninety-seven, mm. maybe two thousand. No, it had to be before then. Like right when I got <clears> to New York, and um, it was like uh, you know you could um, leave a comment, and they leave a comment, and 
So what happened was, is I had this thing and all these fans would come and leave comments. Hey, I saw you here, blah, blah, oh, thanks for coming. And I turned this guest book, was supposed to be for funerals and weddings. You'd mm -hmm. use, I used it for comedy. And then Norton, Keith Robinson, Billy Burr, Dane, they signed on as, you know, other people and started oh, to fuck with you to fuck with me. <laughs> Norton Norton was <sighs> Norton was Mr. AIDS. <laughs> and, and he said he said uh, Robert Kelly's uh, comedy is as funny as child rape with half the laughs. <laughs> I mean it was nuts. It was crazy like and then uh like I remember uh, I knew who people were but they didn't know who they were. And they, they started fighting each other. So I remember, like, Burr would come on and say stuff about... Burr was, I think, Dave and uh, or Chris. And uh, Keith Robinson was KWR superstar or something like that. <laughs> Dane was, uh, I don't know, fucking to the top or some shit, right? And they started fighting each other. And it was... Dude, they were taking, like, days to go out and write, like, articles about each other. And they were smashing each other. <laughs> it was fucking brutal. I'm talking thousands of people were going to this every day just to read these fucked up comments that comics were saying about each other as <laughs> aliases. All of a sudden I get a I get a thing in the mail. You have to stop. It's from the FBI. What? Child services or something. It had a it had a um logo of these little kids just like sad. You know, and it was kind of like blurred out and had like three little kids, kids just sad. And uh, you have to take all the swears, your language, you've been reported and you're going to be fined $5,000 and jail time. And I had to go. I panicked. I went through and I had to take all the fucks out and the swears. I took all the swears and stuff out. And, and then I got another letter. It's like you, uh, you it's not enough. The things that are being said and I shut it down. Was this serious? It really was the FBI? A year later, I'm on tour with Dane. And I'm like, dude, remember that site, man? That fucking thing with the, the thing? I'm so sad that's gone. Remember how fun that was? He goes, oh, that was me. It was him. Pretending to be the FBI. He goes, dude, I couldn't take it anymore. I was what? spending uh, two, like two nights in a row all night trying to write. I couldn't do it. I, I was like, what? <laughs> I just created social media. <laughs> it was the hottest thing in the world. And he couldn't handle it, so he killed the whole thing? He killed it. It's like when a kid's losing in a video game and he unplugs the box. Dude, he unplugged the box, Joe. Oh, my God. Dude, it was and nuts. And he didn't even tell anybody. Dude, he didn't tell me. And That's I was like- nefarious. I was, <laughs> dude, it was nuts. That's kind of nefarious. Yeah, that he one. pretended to be the FBI? Dude, it was nuts. I mean, dude- Child services? Dude, it had a logo, a phone number. I, I remember calling the number, going, can I please talk to somebody? Like, there was a number. And what happens when you call the number? I don't know, left a voicemail. <laughs> What's this bullshit? Wow. But that was like the first, I mean, I got petrified that I was going to get sued. What a crazy way to handle the situation. Instead of just getting out and not reading it, yeah. he decides to kill the whole thing. He's killed. I was like, why did so you tell strange. me? It would have been, been hilarious is after I douched it. He was like, dude, that was me, you fucking idiot. But a year later he tells you? Mm. Yeah, weird. That's weird. so weird. Yeah. That's very bizarre behavior. Yeah. I remember we used to have websites. 
I had I had crazy websites when they first remember websites were a thing. Yeah. I had a website. I gotta get. I want to put it back up for just for like a, a couple of months. I walked out. Me, I walked out on the top, like me as a person walked out, and I grabbed the mic and I went, and it just went, and all the balls sprinkled around, oh. and then there was a ball in the middle that was my face. But when you touched it, it was liquid. Really, dude, I had the best fucking website. Who designed it for you? I have this guy Kurt Iverson. He's just this genius dude from uh he was from kansas city and uh he did my websites but he was just a genius he would go out and just i would say this is what i want and then he would just create it where do you think this goes like we're looking back on the 90s on websites like wow remember that and now everyone is just deeply involved in social media and very few people put any time into their website now yeah where do you think this goes do you think it goes to like augmented reality or virtual reality i think vr you think like the metaverse, that kind of have shit? You, have you used the VR yet, yeah. the Quest? Yeah, I have. When Zuckerberg was here, he showed me the new version of uh, Meta, which is out now. It's the new version of Oculus. Yeah, It's incredible. One of the more interesting things was that you could tour places. Like you can go to the Louvre in Paris, yep. and you're walking around. Yeah. And so like you could just like go to there, and then it's like there's people around you moving around because they filmed it while there was a crowd there. Yeah. So it doesn't feel exactly like you're there, yeah. but it's pretty fucking close. You can go to a comedy show. Yeah. I, I went to a comedy show. I sat in the front row, and I turned around, and there was people next to me, and the comic looked at me and went like this. Wow. I was like, what's up? And I saw a comedy show on, on, on Quest, on Oculus. Wow. And, I mean, it was crazy. So That's going to happen. You could put a camera here, yeah, and people could sit in on this podcast with us. Well, they're doing uh, virtual reality UFCs. Yeah. They're going to do that. Or you're going to be, like, inside the fucking octagon, <laughs> which is crazy. Like, you're going to be, like, right there watching. You'll be, you'll, you could probably sit wherever you want. Yeah. I bet you could probably sit in the crowd, or you could probably be watching from the octagon itself. I love it. I love technology. I'm a big fan. I love gadgets. I love new shit, and I, I love that you can do that. Um... Number one, it's too big. Mm. They got to make it smaller. They got to make it, because you put that on, you can only have it on for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Number two, um, it's got to be cheaper. I mean, the new Oculus that my, uh, um, Facebook is doing is 1700 bucks. It's like, dude, you got to make- a computer. You got to make that 200 bucks somehow and yeah. smaller so that the average do. But it's scary to me because during the pandemic, I was going to movies with friends. We'd all put our Oculus on, and we'd meet at the movie theater. Really? <laughs> Dude. What movies? We watched Caddyshack one night. Like, my friend plugged it into his computer, and we went in, and we, what, we sat down in the movie theater, all of us, eight wow. of us, in the movie theater, watching Caddyshack, and it was my little avatar that I made, and I was looking over. We are throwing popcorn at each other. We were getting drinks, throwing stuff. I remember it got really fucked up for me. Because other people can come in too, because it's 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 open to the right. universe, and I remember a chick sat next to me, this chick, this chick with a mohawk, sat next to me, and she was like, "Hi," and I was like, "Hey," and we waved, and I was like, I got like, oh, I felt like I was cheating. 
<laughs> that was probably a dude. A hundred percent. It was a hundred percent. It was some fucking dude from some Minneapolis. Yeah. 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 But it was, it was like, I still had that emotion. Right. Like it's a real person. A hot chick sat next to me at the movie theater. Now wait till it gets to the point where that person could touch you. Yeah. And you feel it. Is this the, the movie screen? Wow. Yeah. So you can, you can pick what theater you want. So you walk in, you sit down, yeah. and you watch the movie just like you're in a movie theater. Just like you're in a theater. You can, are you talking to each other? Yeah, you can talk. Wow. You you can't you can't verbally. I th I can't forget. I remember you you could write stuff and it would come up or something in the chat or something like that. But yeah, dude, we were in the theater. Look oh, at this that. This is incredible. Experience 3D movies together. Play your favorite PC games together. Wow. Can you do first person shooters, Jamie? You they... can, but they're not they're not good yet. Look at that. They they're have, not good? No, they're not good yet because where we're used to playing Call of Duty and, mm -hmm. um, you know, all that stuff. They don't have that? They have it, but it's a version of it, and it's not it's not good yet. There was a, a time where they were talking about doing these uh, multi-directional treadmills. Have you ever seen those things where and, you wear like Am I a, having a stroke or did a star just yeah, shoot the, across yeah, the ceiling? Okay. <laughs> I was like, shit. I'm going to stroke yeah, on everybody freaks out yeah. about that. Yeah, I should I'm probably sorry. tell people. The um, last game they have for it. Like, yeah. like what is this one? Oh, so it. you move with your feet by moving your hands like yeah, they that? they go like locomotion or something. Oh, that looks stupid. But no, but they do have foot things now. They do have an, a thing that you put on your shoes and you just walk. Oh. So they do have it. It's just not everybody has it. So you, they are getting close to where you'll put the gloves on. So now when you go to Oculus, remember you had to use those little thumb, thumb things? Mm -hmm. Now you can, it scans your hands. And you don't have to use those things. Mm. You can just use your hands. Oh, your hand—it's—it's it's nuts to me. Your hand comes up in front of your face, mm. and it's your hand. It turns. Are you it, holding anything in your nothing. hand? Nothing. Wow. He, uh, nothing. He didn't describe this to us, but I read it in their article. Of they asked Zuckerberg, "What, what else do you have that's cool that's coming?" And he said, "I, EKG might be what it's called. They have sensors for the wrist. It looks probably like this strap from like my Whoop strap, and it's uh, reading the way your wrist moves." So the way they have it working right now is you put on like the sunglasses and you can do like a little like typing motion. Yeah. But they have it so that you can play video games with it yeah. and move your hand like a joystick. But they, he said they have it developed to the point in testing right now where you don't even really have to move your fingers. You can just sort of like think about it and it'll start doing it for you. Like yeah. you can play a whole game without even moving. So you'll attach something to your feet and then something to your hands and then you'll be able to like take your gun and explode it and then change parts, make it into a different gun and then bring it back <laughs> and, and fucking start shooting people. What I had seen was uh, there was a thing where you were in a, a small circular treadmill, but you're attached at the waist. Yeah. So um, the, 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 the treadmill moves in any direction, and it, you move it with your feet. Like as, you, you know those treadmills yeah. where they're self-propelled? Yep. Like it, it's not working on a machine. It's like your foot is making the wheel spin. Well, it's that, but it's circular. So you move in any direction, and you're carrying like a plastic gun. And then you have the virtual reality headset, and you're running around like you're in a real yeah. first-person shooter, but you're stationary. Yeah. But it's like you're, you're strapped. Is that, have they made, is that like a, like a concept? Or? It's not, but I don't believe that anyone's got it to the point where it's like good. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not that there yet. That would be perfect. Like that kind of setup, if you had that kind of setup where you have a small treadmill and there was like a, like a railing around it. So yeah. Here's a video of five different versions of it. Like there's one where you can sit down.
Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's the foot thing. So you just so you just moving your feet around right. as you're sitting. So that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. That's the one. So it's like this circular thing. So you can kind of go and it's called the virtualizer. That's what it is. And so you go in virtualizer elite two. And so you move around, and so as you're moving, you're actually getting a workout, which is pretty fucking cool, too. Because, like, you know Dance Dance Revolution? Yeah. Fucking kids lost shitloads of weight and got in great shape yeah. because they got addicted to that game. And so it's, like, rewarding because the game is fun, but you're actually getting a benefit out of it. So if you have this, this, uh, this is a virtualizer, right a now. different one. So this one is different, but it's the same kind of deal. Yeah. Like you're actually using your legs to move around. And when you're doing this, you have a haptic feedback suit on. So if you get shot, you feel it. And look at that guy's running. He's actually running. So you're getting a good fucking workout. Yeah, now. the problem is is that most guys who game are like, you know, 400 pounds. Right, but so, you can lose weight <laughs> lose like weight, this. Yeah. The same thing with the Dance Dance Revolution thing. Yeah. Like a lot of people started out fat, but, you know, in Dance Dance Revolution, you have to move your feet really fast to get a good score. And so if you're doing this and the faster you run, the faster you actually move in the game, that's fucking amazing. Well, they, ha they have boxing on it, which mm -hmm. is, uh, dude, if you do that, it kills you. Oh, it does. And they, they yeah. have workout videos too. Yeah. They have workouts. You can go on the Oculus. The only thing is, is that thing is just so heavy on you. Once it's they, less heavy. The new one's less heavy. Once they make it smaller where it's less yeah. heavy, you'll be able to go to the gym and work out with a trainer in your living room. Virtually. Virtually. Yeah. I mean, just, did you try the porn? No. Listen to me, man. I'm listening. I, I, I will never go back to it because really? it's too... Too much. I, I was at the Comedy Connection in Rhode Island, and they had the thing. He goes, put this on, and it was a it was a porn. And I'm sitting there. It's after the show. I'm at the bar. All the waitresses and bartenders and the other comics are over there. I'm sitting in a chair, and I put this on, and this girl comes up. She's like, hey, baby. But she's right there looking Whoa. in my eyes. And I'm looking around at her kitchen. Like, I'm in Whoa. her. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you look down, and you're. You you know you get these muscle legs you, you look fantastic, and then she starts talking to you and I I started she started doing stuff to me, and I started I started moving. You started humping. I started air humping. I had a, I was like get these off me. I was literally <laughs> just like it's it's crazy. And it's, what's going to happen is the next level is going to be some sort of a neural interface where you're going to feel touch. It's getting I me mean, whether it's well, ten years from now or twenty years from now. That's coming. What you're gonna do next? What you're gonna do next? I think with these things is you can customize it. Um, you can customize it. So if there's a porn star you like, Ooh. like I'm, uh, I'm friends with Bailey J. You know who Bailey J. Is no. Oh yeah, the uh, she's trans, right? Trans. Yeah. yeah. Her husband uh, Matt is a good friend of mine. Um, I love them both, but you'll be able to like the, he was talking to me about it. He goes the next stage in in porn is virtual where you could hire Bailey or any porn star you want and they'll do you'll go and do the porn like wow. but it's yours and it's virtual so you keep it so you can go back so you go actually have sex with her <laughs> yeah and oh film it film it oh you know what I mean Whoa. and you'll have that porn forever where you can just put it on and have sex with whatever porn star you want virtually wow. In your living room. You can relive that moment over and over again. Wow. Yeah, virtual porn is nuts because you can see 
the person there, you're there. They're looking in your eyes. Right. Like if you watch regular porn, you're just a fly on the wall observing it, you know? But when they look, when a, when a smoking hot chick is looking at you and going, baby, Whoa. baby, what do you want me to do? You start talking back. You go, I want you to. And it's like, oh. <laughs> you took it off immediately. I took it off immediately, dude. I, I, I won't go back because That's it's the Matrix. It's the Matrix. I mean, the Matrix. It's funny because that movie came out. We're like, oh, this is fun because it'll never happen. <laughs> we're, we're there. We're pretty close. We're like at the door. We're, we're reaching for the doorknob to the Matrix. Yeah. We're, we're ready to open up the door and step into it. And yeah. some people are probably further ahead than others. And then again, these neural interfaces like Neuralink, when that, when things like that, when they start doing that, and they can send signals directly to your brain. Whoa! I uh, was thinking of this, and I decided to Google before I asked you. Have you heard of AI porn yet? Because I imagine using all this AI technology we're seeing online right now, mm -hmm. they have to have been working on this, and it turns out they are. Of and course. And this is what comes up on Google. They look pretty good. The thing about it is like. You could say this is like non-exploitation porn too, right? Because it's not an actual human that got raised by shitty parents. <laughs> you know, this is like you don't have to feel bad because the the problem with porn is when some girl's yeah. like <laughs> when she's gagging and her fucking mascara's running. You're like, what happened to you? That's the problem. The problem is like you want to think she's just a free spirit and she's like very healthy and she just enjoys sex and she gets off on it, but. The reality of that, like sort of like public display of sexuality, is oftentimes it, it stems from abuse. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, this is yeah, this is crazy. I mean, they it's have wild. it. They have it. If you if you Google porn now, if you're doing a little porn, they always have this type of stuff. It fucking aggravates me because it's so loud. Like the the uh, the uh, commercial before they have commercials before porn. Now mm. you have to sit through for six seconds. And it's always 10 decibels louder than the actual porn you're going to watch. Right. Just like old commercials. Yeah. Remember so, when TV shows would come on and the commercial would come on and wake you up? Yeah. So you'll be in your hotel room trying to get some whatever, some, you know, best friend's mom porn. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's, you want that big boy? You want that car? And you're like, ah. You're <laughs> turn lower it. the volume. Yeah, you're going to lower it down. <laughs> but they have that virtual porn. That's going to be, I mean, it's sad because we're not going to leave our houses, man. Mm. We're not gonna. We're not gonna go anywhere. You're not gonna go to the woods to, to New your York tiny City. House in the woods. Yeah, you're not gonna. You just walk the woods. Go on a trail. You know, go in the woods. You're gonna go to anywhere you want to go. You'll be able to go and just walk around virtually. It's gonna. You know what it is? It's gonna be Wally. Remember Wally? Yeah. With just fat yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Or Ready Player One. Yeah, that was a, that was a fucking great movie. Great fucking movie. Yeah. yeah. Are they doing a two? You said you read the book, right? Uh, the book I read, yes. Uh, I mean, the the movie and the book for the first one were not the same thing, so I don't know. Two would just be a different story too. Mm. It'd be know. great though, like like even my special, if yeah, that was if we if we did virtually, if I if we sh if we put a virtual camera, I think it's the setup is weird. You have to put it in a front row seat. And it has to, I don't know, it, would, you know, it has to go up in a certain way. And then you have to join these videos together. You have to like put them together, the way you put it together. But think about that. If you could go, if you're all over the world, if you could go and go to my special live the night we taped it, I could have sold tickets to the special worldwide. Yeah. Like you're filming yeah. your next special. Come see it. You don't have to be where it is. Right. All over the world. Come sit front row at my special for 50 bucks. 
you can be at the special. And everybody around the world puts their goggles on, is front row at your special live. That's amazing. That's fucking nuts. They have it where you're going to be able to be a, go to football, basketball. You'll buy a season ticket to a game and you're sitting there at the game watching it live from the 50-yard line. Wow. That would be great. That would be great. That'd be great. Again, like the UFC thing that they're doing. Yeah, UFC. Which they're already doing. When did it, When is the first one supposed to happen? I was, I was trying to find the video I saw of it. It says that it's like with UFC Fight Pass. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it one of the smaller productions? Because UFC Fight Pass uh, has a bunch of like uh, farm sort of leagues where guys uh, start out and then they wind up making it to the UFC afterwards. Yeah. LFA. Yeah, LFA. LFA is one of them. That's a big one. So they just did it. Oh, they did it already. I mean, that's what it says. It was on the 14th. Do they have like a video preview of what it looks this, like? Uh, trying to find that. Yeah, between that, games, porn, entertainment, movies, all that. Yeah, yeah. We're, they're setting us up for the Matrix. Yeah. It's just a slow burn. And yeah. um, it's going to be fucking weird as shit, dude. Oh, wow. This is a person's view. You can see their hands. So that's like my seat. Yeah. <laughs> that's like my seat when I do commentary right there. That's crazy. It that's seems like nuts. it does change a little bit. And I don't know. You probably don't have control over that from my experience watching other streams. But mm. maybe I don't, they might have changed that now, too. They yeah. might not change views. I mean, that's mm. awesome. But there's nothing like being there. No, there's. And you're getting the commentators in the air, which you don't get live. He's busted. He's bloody, but he's still very much in this fight. Look at that. Nice elbow scrapes. Looking for that What is that? That's the menu that popped up. This oh. is literally off of someone's helmet. Like Oculus out. Out no. This is pretty fucking good. Change. This is pretty fucking good. Oh, he's got the choke. <laughs> Can't help but commentate. Yeah, he's got it. He's turning the wrong way. He got it. Wow. There is a new Ooh. lens that Canon has developed that I've seen some content made, and I tested it with the Oculus to see what it looked like. It looks like stuff is right in front of you, and you can reach out and touch it. It's very strange wow. how well it looks. Uh, but the, the way you make that it has to be an 8K, and it's very intensive computer process right now to get that done. So it's very like short content. You can watch it with that. Is it because there's uh, like it's too much data? Yeah, it's 8K for each eye. And the way that that's done is it's making it on – it's a split – like the lens, instead of being like one camera, it's splitting two mm -hmm. and making one file. It's very, it's, I'm not even explaining it very well, uh, but it so that color correction doesn't get fucked up and everything looks exactly the same from the same source. It's very hard this to match two things up. Fast. It's fast. I talked to my grandfather, who's 100, and I go, what's the greatest piece of technology you've ever seen? And he said, the radio. Fucked him up. The radio fucked him up. Fucked him up. He goes, I can't, I was... I couldn't believe a voice was coming out of a box do you, uh, from somewhere else. And now to think about this shit. Do you remember the story of uh, Orson Welles, the War of the Worlds? Yeah. Orson Welles played, he read from H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. It's H.G. Wells, right, the book? He read the, the story on the air, and they read it like it was news reports. Yeah. Like that we're being attacked by Mars. Yeah. And people started freaking the fuck out yeah. because if you didn't tune in in time yeah. to hear that this is just like a fucking this is a performance, yeah. people thought when they tune into the radio that we're being attacked by by aliens. By aliens. Yeah. So what year was that? With the war, of the 
19 what? 1938 Halloween. So 1930 Halloween, 1938. The infamous War of Worlds radio broadcast was a magnificent fluke. Orson Welles and his colleagues scrambled to pull together the show and ended up writing pop culture history. So this was 1938 and it yeah, so it was the H.G. Wells classic, The War of the Worlds, but I believe they added things to it like they made it seem like there was legitimate news broadcasts. And it caused a nationwide hysteria. And he was 23 years old when he did it. Oh, by the next morning, 23-year-old Wells' face name were, and name were on the front page newspapers coast to coast, along with headlines about the mass panic his CBS broadcast had allegedly inspired. I think people killed themselves. <laughs> what? Yeah. Jesus. I think, see if there was a suicide. I think at least one, it might have been just a report of a suicide to like sensationalism because journalism was very hard to fucking vet back then. I wonder if that's true because I, I do remember saying that people killed them or that reading that people killed themselves. There was a lawsuit in 1960 about it. Dude, I had this guy on the other day, Ryan Graves. He was uh, an advanced fighter pilot for the Navy and in 2014, they updated all of their radar systems and they started seeing UFOs everywhere. So all over the East Coast in the ocean, when they would travel out the ocean to, to run these training missions, they started seeing these objects that defied physics. These objects that were like 25 feet wide, they were hovering, totally stationary, with 130 mile an hour winds which he said just doesn't make any sense how they could do that. It wasn't drifting back and forth. It was just completely stationary. And then they would move off at close to the speed of sound. They would fly in formation. They would go in and out of the ocean. And he said they, people had reported these things before. He goes, but once they updated their radar systems, they were finding these things on their radar every single flight almost. He said 90% of the missions that they did, they encountered these things. He said they just didn't know they were there before. But why... Like, I believe in aliens. I believe there's other life. I believe in all that shit. But why don't they... I don't understand. Like, why don't they say hi? Well, we don't know what the fuck they are. We don't, we don't know if they're drones. Is we don't, like some China shit? Where it's just, it could be. We don't know if it's from another country. We don't know if it's our stuff, that they don't have information. Like, if a ship just came down right now in Austin, mm -hmm. and we could, would you go and check it out, or would you go the fuck home? Go the fuck home. Go the fuck home. I'm not going to be the first guy that gets eaten. <laughs> no, go. Look, imagine how when I go to the woods looking for an elk, they're going looking for a fat person. I'm not going to be that guy. No. I'm not going to be that first guy that gets eaten. You're not going to be the people on top of the building yeah. in the Independence Day, welcoming, yeah. well, and then they just blast it out? I'm out, too. Yeah, they're going looking for dummies. I'm going right up into the woods. Yeah. Going to my tiny house. Fuck ho Hopefully we're the last people they find. If they're here to help us, you'll find out about it eventually. You don't want to be one of the first guys to get scooped up like Richard Dreyfus and Close Encounters of the First Kind. <laughs> kind. That fucking movie, that, that that was wild shit, man. I remember that movie, like all of a sudden people started like seeing things in the sky. They pretended they saw things. Well, everything that science fiction, it seems like it's coming true. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at Star Trek, we have better technology now. Way better. Than they, they had then. They didn't even have the internet. They had walkie-talkies. <laughs> they didn't even have cell phones. Yeah, they it was Kirk out. They didn't have video they didn't chat. Up. They had a stupid flip phone. Meanwhile, <laughs> yeah. they could transport to another yeah. planet. They had <laughs> David Tell's phone. <laughs> I love him. He has a flip phone. He does. He's the best. He's the best. Yeah. But yeah, they, they didn't anticipate the internet. 
I mean, that was the big mind blower. That so if no they wanted to coming. take you, you wouldn't go. No chance. Fuck so you. if they were like, Joe, we're big fans of your podcast. <laughs> We've been listening. Good. Be a guest. <laughs> you'd Come have sit a, right there. You'd have him in here? hundred percent. How great would that episode be? That would be insane. I would 100% have an alien on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, if you're hearing me, I think I already have had one on. What? Elon. He's been on three times. <laughs> you think he's an alien? Yeah. Yeah, he's not one of us. <laughs> you think he's from another planet? He's either one of he's either one of us from the future or he's from another planet. You see him blink sideways or something? There's just something about him. He's yeah. He's too smart. I I, I liken our friendship to uh the intellectual equivalent of a boy and his dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's like when I talk to him, I'm like, we're not the same thing. He's so advanced. He's yeah. running like four different world-changing industries simultaneously. Yeah. I mean, who the fuck else is running like an electric car business along with an internet satellite high-speed data business along with a revolutionary rocket business that could not just shoot rockets into space but have the rockets land. Right. They come back and land. Right. No one's been able to do that before. This motherfucker is doing that while he's doing three other things. And the boring... Yeah. Oh, and, and he's digging tunnels under cities and shooting cars <laughs> through them to fix traffic. Yeah. He's running all these things simultaneously while ever, he's making kids, while he's making like nine kids. Do you ever think that you were like back from Massachusetts that you'd be hanging out with a guy like that? No. Is it crazy? Dude, I, I, I barely could imagine being a professional comic. That was the goal. When we were kids, yeah. the goal was, I mean, I started out with Fitzsimmons. And, you know, we did open mics together, we traveled together. And I remember we always would talk about the goal was to be a professional. Imagine if we didn't have a job. Yeah. Imagine. Because Greg back then was working for catering companies, so he would do catering. You know, he'd, like, serve food for people. And then he would go and do the open mic nights and shit like that. And I was driving limos. And in the beginning, I was teaching martial arts. But I, I got to a point where I realized I could not teach the same way. I was not fully invested in it, and I, it felt like it felt wrong to me. I wasn't giving them my all, yeah, because it was very important to me. Because it was important to me as a kid, when I was, you know, when I had instructors that were really good. And so then, when I started running a school, and I realized that I wasn't all in anymore, mm -hmm. I had to stop. So I had to stop fighting. I had to stop teaching, and I had to stop. I had to really concentrate on comedy. Yeah. One of the things that, like this guy said to me, it was kind of a rude thing to say, but he was I knew he was right. When we were like six months in, this kid, a fucking Jonathan, I forget his last name, but he was one of the guys that I started out with. And, you know, we were all open micers and he, we were all just talking about comedy and this and that. And he said to me, he goes, yeah, he goes, you started out really good. He goes, but it seems like somewhere along the line, you just started kind of coasting. And I was like, ugh. And I couldn't say anything. I couldn't go, fuck you. I was like, oh, my God, he's right. And I remember thinking that. He's right. He wasn't, he wasn't being yeah. mean. He was just being honest. And it, was, it hurt because it was accurate. Yep. And I remember thinking, and he wasn't trying to be a dick either. He was just telling me. Yeah. You know? And I remember thinking, oh, man, he's right. And I immediately said, I have to quit. I have to quit fighting. I have to quit teaching. I have to quit. I have to be all in on this comedy thing. Yeah. Comedy, is, you have to be married. It has to be your lover. You got to be all in. I remember you gave me the best advice ever. You remember the, well, the first gig we ever did together? What did I say? A cool, a cool. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Dick Doherty. Comedy the, Hut. The Comedy Hut. <laughs> remember that? It, yeah. It was in uh, Cambridge. What did I say? I can't, because uh, like, I saw you do that comedy, uh, the MTV thing, and like you were my guy. You were the guy that I was like, that's comedy to me. All this other seven-minute bullshit and evening at the, there was just 
garbage to me. So I finally, Dick Doherty, you were coming to town. And I was like, Dick, I want to work with Joe. Please, please, please. And he put me on the show with you. And I ran up to you uh, after the first show. And I was like, hey, man, and you were so cool. And I was like, hey, man, can you please give me advice? Like, uh, what do I do? Like, just give me a little advice. And you're like, yeah, no fucking advice. Don't take any advice from any comic ever, ever. Just get on stage. That's all you have to do. Get on stage and become who you're going to become. This business will shit you out or you'll be a comic. And you'll figure out who you're supposed to be by getting on stage. You go, if I tell you what to do, you're going to be fucked. If any, don't listen to anybody. Just do stand-up. That's all you told me. Hmm. And I was like, that was it. Pretty so solid advice. Best advice I ever got. <laughs> I mean, really. Best advice I ever got. Mm. You know? Well, I think I would revise that. I would say people can give you advice. They can give you advice on, like, economy of words. They can give you advice on, you know, how to develop timing and, you know, how to not present your jokes. Sure. How to just kind of be yourself as you on go, stage. As you get better, yeah. sure. But as a young comic, just yeah. getting on, getting on stage was the key. I think back then I was 24 or 25. You might have been 25. I think I was 23 or something. Yeah. How old are you now? 52. Yeah, okay, well, I'm 55. Okay. So I was three years I probably, old. I was, yeah. Yeah, so we were just kind of figuring it out, and I was just becoming a pro back then. That was when I would, I was I was already living in New York and going back and forth to Boston. Yeah. yeah. And I was just legitimately becoming a headliner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you would go up and, I mean, I remember we did it, the show, and I I did great. I thought I did great, and you went up, and you were like, what's up? Fuck, and you had this... I don't know, intense. You just, it was over. Like it was a different show. And I remember you just went up and you murdered at a Chinese restaurant <laughs> in Cambridge. Those are the best. Those are the best days. Yeah. I love those days. Those yeah. days were fun. No responsibility, no money. No money. It, no money. It wasn't about know? money. No. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about anything. It was about getting on stage and getting laughs. And the, trying to become a professional. The Kowloons. Yeah. I remember yes. that. I mean, my, my squad was Billy. Mm-hmm. Patrice, mm-hmm. Dane, Gullman, yeah, Bob Marley, yeah, Bob Who, Marley, the King of Maine, the best. He's the king. He's you the go king. to Maine, he sells out fucking multiple shows in theaters every night. Yeah, he's a killer, and he's one of those guys who was in L.A., got all the deals, and then set him out. Yeah, he's going. To, I'm going to be happy. Yeah, I'm he's, going to be happy. Yeah, sold all his homes, bought a house in Maine. And then he just tours Maine, and he's one of the nicest guys. He and still tours occasionally other places. Still one of the funniest guys. Oh, he's fucking hilarious. I was doing a show at Just for Laughs, and he rolled in at the end. We were all killing. 3,000 people, that big gala. He rolled in with a baseball hat, yeah. you know, because we're all, you know, got our nice shirt. Everybody's all dressed up for the gala. He rolls in with a baseball hat uh, and a stupid T-shirt. Rolls in, fucking, <laughs> boo, fucking, boo, ba, ba. Doesn't swear, doesn't talk, doesn't, no dirty, just murders. Just having fun. Yeah. I m- first met him, I was doing a, sh- a show in Bangor, Maine, and he did a guest set. Yeah. It was the first time I met him. He's living in Maine. I was like, who's this kid? Some local kid wants to do a guest set? So funny. Fucking funny as shit. Real fun, and had all this local Maine humor, and they were dying. <laughs> yeah. They loved it. Yeah. He was funny, man. Yeah. Still is. Yeah, still but is. But ca- I occasionally will see him, like at the Comedy Works in Denver. He'll be on the, the schedule. He'll, he gets out there. He does get out there, yeah. He, yeah. But he's, he does. He tours around. He's I love him. I love I love the idea of him just saying, f- forget about making it whatever that is. Yeah. I'm going to just, just have- Just be a normal person. And do well, comedy. Some, some people that were just so 
normal. Yeah. That the whole idea of sort of prostituting yourself for Hollywood was just, just felt so gross to yeah. them. They just couldn't take it for very long. Yeah. And they want to bailing. Yeah. Which is, you know, the I, we all were tricked into thinking that the only way to be a professional comic was to get on television. Like that was all anybody wanted you to do. Like that was the the holy grail was to become Roseanne Barr mm. or to become Jerry Seinfeld, to have your own sitcom. That yep. was the thing. So we all went out there and it just like you got integrated into this weird fucking system where it's just it just felt so the opposite of what we got in it to do. What we got in it to do is to become Sam Kinison. Right. We got in it to become like those comics that we would want to go pay to see. Yeah, I would always get fucked up going to L.A. too because I was, you know, I've been skinny and fat my whole life. And I would always be on one of my fats when I had to go to L.A. Mm. And I felt like shit because everybody's, you know, I always just felt fucked up when I went out there. Like I, I was just not what I was supposed to be. You know mm. what I mean? Because I felt like, you know, like you're supposed to look a certain way. You're supposed to be a certain way physically. Yeah. And that's not what comedy, you know. No. Comedy, you can be whatever the fuck you want. That's why I love Louis' special when I saw he had stains on his shirt <laughs> on one of his specials. I was like, he, he's just funny. Yeah. Like, well, he went back to that, right? Remember when he was wearing suits for a while? When? Oh, yeah. He wore a suit for like 2018, the special yeah. 2018. Yeah. He wore a suit. It was a great special, too. It's a fucking great special. And I remember talking to him at the store. He's like, yeah, I like I like going on stage with suits. I you, go suits on, you do suits now, right? I occasionally do suits. I started doing suits when I started doing shows with Chappelle because huh. uh, Dave and I were doing these arenas. And then uh, one day I showed up with a suit. He goes, oh, we wearing suits now. <laughs> and then he started wearing suits. He would wear suits occasionally. And then uh, I got David August to make me some custom suits when we were, um, I was, I'd, I'd done a few before with suits on, um, but then we were doing the, uh, the MGM. I did the arena and, uh, I did it with Brian Simpson, who's fucking brilliant. Tony Hinchcliffe, who's fucking hysterical. And yeah. this kid, Hans Kim, who's, uh, this up and coming kid who's a murderer. He's so him. good. Yeah. He's fucking funny. And, uh, you'll see him tonight. You coming tonight? We're yeah. doing a show tonight? Yeah, yeah. You'll see him tonight. And Brian's on tonight too. Okay. So, and so we were doing this, it was a big deal. We're going to headline the MGM Grand Arena. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting everybody suits. So I got a uh, custom tailor came down, fitted everybody for suits. And we all wore these fucking reservoir dog suits. And we went up and I'm like, this is the shit. It's fucking, it was just exciting to like, we got there, yeah. got to the arena, spark up a joint put on the fucking music i brought like a big old bluetooth you know uh, speaker thing we crank up some fucking great tunes and we'd all fucking put our suits on we're ready to go to work we're fucking professionals <laughs> i have a i have a whole closet full of suits of different sizes of <laughs> my fifth fat my fourth fat my sixth fat well you yeah. look good man you look like you're losing weight i lost yeah i lost 70 pounds that's incredible i got the uh gastric sleeve surgery Though, do they reverse that? Can they reverse that, or is that like for life? It's well. There's three. There's, uh, dude. I was 350 pounds. Whoa. I believe you said it best. I, I saw the, the one with you and Louie and Joe, and you were like, Bobby ate himself into a shape. <laughs> well, when I first met you, you were young and thin and dude, good looking. I was gorgeous, but I remember. I've met you twice. That was so funny, too. It was such a perfect description. Um, I met you at UFC 100, and you came out of the back. You went, you, 
He looked at me and go, "What happened to you?" <laughs> I was like, "I was like, hey Joe, how you doing?" <laughs> no, it's been it's it's been an addiction for me since I was a kid. It was my first addiction when I was a kid. Was food. It was a you know. I remember when my mom. I, I had an abusive stepdad for a while, five years, and uh, I had nobody. And I remember I found food. Like I would wake up in the morning and uh, say goodbye to my mom in sixth grade, go out the front door, go around the back, crawl into the basement, and in the corner of the basement I had a little pillow and a blanket, and I would just sit there all day, and I would eat. So you'd pretend you were going to school? I'd pretend I was going to school because I was just so afraid. I had no friends. I had nobody, and I was in a major depression, and I didn't know it. And I would sleep in the basement, and I remember I would just eat food, like, you know, Susie Q's and Ring Dings, and it just made me feel almost like a friend, you know? Mm. Um, you know, I, I just had a problem. And I I, I, uh, I remember I got real big. And then uh, my, sixth day, my sixth grade teacher, actually, Mr. DiPerzio, got me into running. It was like all of a sudden I, he became my dad. You know, he kind of took me under his wing. And we were at the uh, Olympics. Remember the, the, the sixth grade Olympics? And it was just horseshit thing, but I remember we had to do the 440 all the way around the track. And I remember he came up to me and goes, Kelly, you gotta win. I want you to win. And I remember I was like, I'll win, I'll fucking, I just, I just wanted somebody to fucking believe in me. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember I was racing against this skinny black kid, fast as lightning, and I remember we running and I fucking won. I remember I beat him, everything I had, and I won. Wow. And I just felt fantastic. I started jogging. I started doing marathons. Wow. Uh, but, you know, then I got into drugs. After that, I found drugs in, uh, very shortly after that in seventh grade. And then I, of course, went to, you know, jail. Went to, got a, I think I went to jail the first time at 13. Jesus. Um, yeah, that was terrible. What did you go to jail for? Unarmed robbery, assault and battery, malicious destruction, trespassing, and breaking probation. Holy shit! So dude. breaking uh, probation at thirteen. I was you on, were on pro probation. I was on probation at twelve. Oh my god! For so what? Um, I I robbed a canteen truck of uh, cigarettes and fucking I think Twinkies. Wow. Um, so I got on probation for that, and then yeah, it was terrible. The first I remember that we you went to jail at thirteen. Yeah, my uh, my bail was. I think 10 bucks and my mother didn't pay it because the, the judge said, she said, what do I do? And she, she, he was like, uh, let him go through the system. Let Jesus. him go. And my mother listened to him. Oh my God. Yeah. It was bad. Cause I remember I was in the jail cell, Somerville courthouse, the jail cells downstairs, the regular prisoners and the juvie stay downstairs. So I had my own jail cell and I remember I was looking at it like, Pay the fucking money. Because all, all my friends' moms paid. Oh. And they got out. They got out, and I went. They take you downstairs, and uh, she came down. And I just, I walked up to her, and I was just crying. And she was like, Bobby, she's crying. I'm so sorry. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I just turned around and started doing push-ups. And uh, then they came and got me, and they throw you in the van. The regular prisoners would be in the back of the van, and the juvies are in the front behind the drivers on a bench. And I just remember the real prisoners just, hey, little bitch. You know, just I was shitting my pants. And they take you up to Danvers State Hospital. Uh, Danvers State 
gave there's a the morgue they gave to the detention the ju- the, ju- the juvenile detention so you go up there it's called intake and you get up there and there's a bunch of other kids they strip search you and you got to get naked and do jumping jacks i'm 13 you got to bend over it was embarrassing it was terrible you go into this room and there's all these other kids of all nationalities just in this room watching this one tv i remember they came in with a box of deli sandwiches and chocolate milk and everybody ran over and grabbed and you grab a sandwich and they they had these purple onions on top these wet onions because i think they were old sandwiches that they would donate to the juvies and they all took them and threw it on the ceiling. And I looked up on the ceiling. It was just years of onions oh, God. on the ceiling. It was fucking <laughs> terrifying. And then the kid comes up. He's like, hey, man, when you, they call you out, ask them where you're going. Uh, and if they don't tell you, it's somewhere bad. If they tell you, it's somewhere good. So like, Kelly, I went out. They start shackling me. And they handcuffed me. And I'm like, where am I going? And he just looked at me. And he shook his head. And uh, they shackled me to two other 18-year-olds. I was 13. And they took me to the Charlestown Y. So the Charlestown Y, the bottom floor was the Y, but the top floor was a juvenile lockup. So you had to go through the gym, go upstairs, and they take you into this room. And they, again, I got strip searched. I had to get naked. You go, and then you have to take a shower. I was 13. I had a little pecker. I think I had like, you know, four pubes. And I'm showering with uh, these 18-year-olds next to me. It was, I was f- scared shit. That night, they, uh, some kid got a pencil in his eye from another kid. And, uh, and then you go into this room with just bunk beds, steel bunk beds filled in the room. And the highway, I don't remember the Charlestown Y, the highway with 93 was right there. So it's just cars, like as close as me and you, were just whipping by on the highway all night long. And... Uh, yeah, I went to jail, and they, from there you just go to another jail, another jail. For th- I think it was until I was 15 I was going in and out of juvie jails and foster homes. Jesus Christ. Because for, uh, for, once you're in, you're in. So if your mom had just paid that 10 bucks, you would have never been I'd in. probably be dead. Really? I'd probably be in jail jail, real jail. That saved me. And, you know, there's that thing where it's like, that, uh, I don't know if you've heard that thing where, you know, you don't know, is, is it good or bad? I don't know yet. You don't know if something's good or bad yet. You got to wait. You know, you think something's terrible, right? But you don't know. It could be good. You just don't know yet. It feels like shit and it felt like shit. But if she didn't do that, I wouldn't have got sober. I got sober at 15. I went to a a place called The Road Back. I got arrested again, upstate New York. They shipped me back to Boston because I was a, a ward of the state. You're owned by Massachusetts. So they shipped me back down. I went back to jail. And then I finally realized, like, look, drugs and alcohol, it, it, that's what, it, it's not people, places, and things. It's my drinking. It's my drugs. I go, I need to go somewhere. What you, drugs? Everything. I did everything. Anything you put in front of me. I wasn't doing drugs because I like drugs. I was doing drugs because I didn't want to be alone anymore. I didn't want to go back to that basement by myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want to be that anymore. That was terrifying to me. So... If I had to do drugs or I had a drink, I would do whatever the fuck it took to have friends, you know, to have a, a group of people to belong because I didn't have anybody. So these kids, you know, I got to the point where, I, where we would move around. Like I'd get out of the jail, I'd go to a foster home, and then I would go home from there. 
and my parents were somewhere else. Like they were in Spencerport, New, uh, New York. They were in uh, uh, Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. And I, what I would do is I'd go on the first day of school and I would get into trouble, go to detention, because those are my kids. So I'd get in trouble, go to detention, and I'd always have weed. I'd always have a couple of joints. And as soon as I got to detention, I'd lean over to the toughest looking kid. I'd be like, you want to smoke some weed? Friends, immediate friends. Yeah, sure. We'd smoke weed, and those are my guys. Mm. And, and then I'd hang up with them for the duration until in, in Ben Salem, I wound up running away and getting arrested again. And then in, uh, what was it? Spencerport, New York was the last time. I got drunk. <clears throat> we fucking stole gumball machines. I went to jail for gumball machines. It was stupid. Um, it was terrible because, you know, I mean, I, we, we got, I drank a half a bottle of scotch. I drank a bunch of beers and I, I, we did whippets. And they were like, I want these gumball machines. So I just took them and smashed them. And the cops came. I remember I, I was running from the cops down the railroad tracks. I hopped the fence. And as soon as I hopped the fence, there was a shotgun right in my face. And the guy made me get down the cop. He's like, freeze, get down the ground. And he goes, if he moves, shoot him. And I was like, it was gum. Oh, my God. They took me to jail up there. <clears throat> and it was that was the worst jail I've ever been in. Rochester, New York was the worst jail I've ever been in. And, uh, you know, they put me in a room. And that was the first time I literally asked for help. I, I was just like, help me. Please, just help me. I'm done. I know, I know it's drugs. I know it's alcohol. Please help me get help. I need it. Um, whatever, I just gave up. I gave up. The first time I was like, this is it. And uh, then I went to jail to Boston. They flew me on a plane. Remember I was smoking on the plane? Wow. I asked the flight attendant, can you give me a light? She just got me a light and I lit up in the fucking plane. Because you could smoke on planes. Smoke on planes. I was 15. Wow. And um, right when I got off the plane, there was two state troopers waiting for me and they handcuffed me, took me to jail. And then I met, uh, I met this guy in uh, NFI Shelter Care was this uh, Yitzhak, his name is Yitzhak. He developed this system for juveniles that it was called open door setting, normalization. Um, there was no locks on the doors at NFI. There was no you know, guards, really. They had people there at night, but you could run. You could leave, walk right out the fucking door. But they incentivized you. 30 days, you got steak. 60 days without a run, lobster, dinners they incentive they gave you responsibility as a kid and, and they we all kind of formed together to kind of keep each other in check to to receive these benefits and they gave you you know help you know they they talked to you instead of these other places you just went in and did your time mm. this place was all on you we had school we could go we went they took us to the beach they loaded us in the, I remember they took all these juvies, we'd load up in a van and go to Gloucester or Wingashik Beach, and we'd just sit on the beach and have fun. They gave you these incentivized things to not leave. And then the guy came up to me, he's like, you can go to rehab, we got you set up. I, you can go to six months co-ed, or you can go to a year, all boys. And that was, I was like, what do I do? He's like, knowing you, Year all boys. If you go with his girls, you'll fuck up. You'll fuck up. You'll try to bang the chicks. You'll try to have sex and you'll fuck it up. So I did. I listened. I was like, okay. And I went to the road back. It was a house. Again, normalization. No bars. No nothing. I showed up. 
and I was sitting in this room. This guy, Tom Tompkins, used to be, uh, had a lot of money. His wife was a famous opera singer. He was in show business, and uh, he lost it all from alcoholism and drugs. So he started this house called The Road Back. And uh, I remember I was sitting there petrified, and uh, all of a sudden, he comes down, there's all the staff, and there's this one kid fucking being, fuck this place, I don't want to fucking be here, fuck this, I want the fuck out, screaming and yelling, and he came down the stairs, old dude, gray beard, psoriasis, he had a, a misty cigarette, you know, those little slim and sassy, <laughs> <laughs> just smoking it, and he came down, he goes, where's this fucking fuck up, where's this cocksucker that wants to leave, the kid's like, me. He's like, you want to fucking leave? You want to get the fuck out of here? Get the fuck out. There's the door, you fucking pussy. And one of the counselors, the new counselors, was like, hey, maybe we shouldn't. He goes, fuck you. You're fired. Get the fuck out. He goes, you want to go? Fucking leave. There's the fucking door, okay? I'm trying to save your life, you little fuckhead. I'm trying to save your life. If you want to fucking live, stay here and shut the fuck up. If you want to leave, get the fuck out. But I care about you, and I don't want you to fucking die. And the kid starts crying, and he's like, yeah, okay. Are you staying or leaving? He goes, I'm going to stay. He goes, great. I'm glad you're staying because you're going you're gonna to save your life now. And then he goes, where's Kelly? I'm like, right, right here? And he goes, meet me upstairs. And I went upstairs, the sweetest human being I've ever met. I mean, he, was a, he just saved my life, this guy was the best person I've ever met in my life. He, he used to take us to his house to build entertainment systems. And he would fucking give us Elio's pizzas and little cakes and shit. I thought he was trying to fuck me. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> like, you know I mean? every once in a while, these kids would just take off in the van. I'm like, ah. Uh, it's like, Kelly, come on, let's go. I'm like, ah, I got to fucking suck this guy's dick now. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. I'm gonna have to blow this old guy in his house for cakes and pizza. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he didn't. He was just fucking wanted us to get better. I remember he gave me all, he would give us old clothes. He had cashmere sweaters. I didn't even know what the fuck that was. He had all these clothes from when he was rich that he would give us because we had no clothes. We had no money. We had nothing. So you'd be. Going to AA meetings. So a year, 14 months of my life, I was in this place where I was going to meetings, I was going to groups, and I was learning about my addiction, learning about what the fuck was my problem, you know, learning to love myself, learning to care about myself. And I remember when I got out, I was petrified. You know, the first day out, 14 months later, I haven't seen my family for, for over a year. And I got out and I, I asked the guy, I go, what do I do? He goes, go to a meeting far enough away where you can't walk home. Get a ride there, but don't get a ride home. So I did that and I went to a meeting, a young people's meeting, and uh, they dropped me off. I got the meeting and I kept asking people right away, can you give me a ride? No. Can you hear me right now? All of a sudden, this dude, Mark Caesar, long-haired dude, sleeves, chains, rock and roll dude, walks in. I remember him from coming to, to do meetings at the place. I go, can you give me a ride? And he was like, fucking sure. No fuck. Come on, let's go. He went over to the piano, started playing all these chicks around him. I was like, what the fuck? 
Then we went to a Bickford's and we talked about spirituality. We talked about program all night to like two in the morning with these hot chicks and him. And he was this rock dude from Berkeley and he became my friend, you know, and we wound up going to meetings every night and I got sober and I, I got my shit together and, and uh, he's still my friend to this day. He's still one of the funniest guys I've ever met. We used to go to AA dances, dude, wow. in like church basements on Fridays and Saturdays and just go down and, you know, always close on Stairway to Heaven and you <laughs> get some chick two, two months out of rehab. She's still fucking shaking and you just <laughs> dance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, it saved my life, that place. Wow. And the NFI Shelter Care giving me the responsibility and the respect as a human being to make a choice. And then this road back, you know, Tom Tompkins, this, where he used to call me cunthead. He goes, if you fell, a bunch of little cunts would fall out of your head. Because <laughs> all I thought about was chicks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I remember there was this girl in the program. This is the saddest shit ever. This is when I first saw comedy, too. Um, uh, this chick, this blonde chick, she had beautiful hay hair, just gorgeous in the meetings. And uh, I could never talk to her. You know, we just would say hi, and we had this thing. I get out, they have this thing called ICIPA. It's called the International Conference of Young People in AA, where thousands of people, young people in AA would converge on one town, and it was Boston. The year I got out, it was Boston at the Park Plaza Hotel, right? So it's all young people trying to get sober. And I remember we all got hotel rooms, and I went there, and they did a sobriety count, dude. Thousands of people in the room, all the way down to one day. It was like fucking, you know, 60 years. You know, all these people had these pro 20, 30, 10, a week down to one day. And there was like this one girl that had one day and the place just went, it was erupting. Wow. And uh, I remember I saw that girl from the rehab and I went up to her and I was like, oh my God, what's going on? I was like, oh, I can finally be, you know, talk to you and, she was like, yeah, yeah, we should hang out. And I was like, yeah, definitely, we'll hang out later. There's a comedy show if you want to go. And uh, she's like, yeah, sure, meet me later. And I remember uh, I, I gave her this red balloon. I was like, here, this is for you. Because I didn't know how to pick up chicks anymore. Like, I cleaned the slate. Like, when I was drinking, I could pick up girls. When I became sober, I was fucked. You know, I started talking about one day at a time. And, you know, <laughs> you, know, you got to... Just got to accept life on life's terms, you know? Right. And I say, Chicks don't want to hear that shit, right? So I remember I gave her the balloon, and then I saw her walking with the balloon, and I followed her. And she went into an elevator with some dude, and I remember I, I went up, I saw the floor, and I went up to the floor. I wanted to go to the comedy show. It was starting. So I f went down the hallway, and the balloon was in front of a door, and I walked up to the door, and I just heard her getting blasted out by some dude. <laughs> So sad. I took the balloon. I just walked back. I walked back down the hallway. And I remember I went to the oh. comedy show and I sat up front and there was these two guys there and uh, they were fucking man. I was just like, oh my God, this is, this is nuts. I was dying laughing. How old were you? I had to be, I had to be like 17, 17. I was probably 16 or 17. And, uh, and I remember I, I, I reached up, the guy who said, thank you, good night, the play, and I reached up, and the guy reached down and touched my hand, and I was like, he fucking touched me. <laughs> That's why I always take a picture 
I'll always shake somebody's hand after a show. If someone wants, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll always do that because that fucking affected me so much. You know, uh, seeing that show took me out of that shit that I, I was just holding a red balloon about to kill myself and drink again, you know? Yeah. And that show lit my world up. And I remember I, just, I went to a meeting after that. I was fucking great. I was solid after that. Wow. And when did you go on stage first? <laughs> I went on stage. Were you thinking about it after that show? I was thinking about it constantly. Before I, that show or after, only after, after that, show? that show? I I was like, I, I actually went to school. I, I was in high school. I went back, I went back to uh, high school and then I got a, I got a scholarship to Bunker Hill Community College for art. Um, I was going to be an art teacher. So I went, you know, my art teacher in high school was just awesome, the two of them. And again, my whole life, I always thought somebody was trying to fuck me. You know, it was this hot chick and this old gay guy, and I was like, oh, they want to fuck me. You know what I mean? Because they were like, come to lunch with us. I'm like, I got to blow with these people and <laughs> fucking eat her out somewhere on a, on a Cadillac. <laughs> I just, but they were just nice, you know? Because, right. you know, I was abused my whole life. I was just right. fucked by people my whole life. <clears throat> they got me the scholarship, and I went to Bunk Hill Community College for fine art, and I was taking all the shit, and... And then I did an acting class, and I did, uh, they had a, a talent show. And I remember me and this kid, Aldo Benny, were in the acting class together, and I was like, let's do sketch comedy. Let's do sketches and improv, because a friend of mine did improv, and we can do this. And uh, we had these other two guys in there, and then he was like, I have a friend who happened to be Dane. He could do it too, so he came in audition. I remember auditioning Dane. I gave his start, by the way. And uh, he came in audition. I was like, fuck, he's great. And we went and did this talent show. We did sketches, two sketches and um, an improv. And I remember we did the first sketch and we fucking killed. I remember getting the first laugh. Like the place erupted. And we had to go behind the curtain. I'm like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck was that? Like they're still fucking laughing. And we had to go back out and we did the thing. And, and I went back. I, I, I remember saying, I'm doing this. I was like, I'm doing this. We're doing this. Fuck this. I quit school. Quit school. I started booking that group like at comedy shows. I started calling clubs and places and be like, we're a group. And we started doing this improv shit. You know, we do, we go in and do sketches and it was the worst improv ever too. We, we, it was like a, if something worked, we'd just do it the next week because nobody fucking knew. But uh, that's how I got started, man. Wow. Yeah. What year was this? Oh, this had to be, I don't know. I don't know. I don't fucking know. I had to be 20 something. So it was early 90s, early 90s. So that was right when I met you was when you were with Al. Yeah. It was Al and the Monkeys. Yeah. Yeah, the monkeys. Yeah, the worst so. improv group ever, but the funniest motherfuckers around. <laughs> the comics hated us. Who, what the comics hated you? Because we would go in and fucking murder. With Who hated you? Everybody. I didn't hate you. No, not you. You weren't there. You were, you were doing your thing, but other. Um, you mean like at open mic nights? Yeah, no, like at the clubs, the stand-ups, because they would have to, you know, follow us on a show, and we would go up and just shred it as a group, you know. And they didn't like that? We, we, remember the BCN comedy riot? Sure. Okay. So we were killing it. We're fucking murdering it. All of a sudden, we get in the BCN comedy riot. The first comedy improv group, sketch group to ever get in. It was all stand-ups. It was the biggest comedy competition in the world at that time. 
okay? Amateur comedy competition. So we got in it as a group. And I remember we went in to BCN. Remember how big BCN mm -hmm. was? Mark Parenta. Sure. Okay. Um, he brought us in. And we went into BCN and we were on the radio because he loved us. We The first round, he was like, I love these Alan the Monkeys, these Alan the Monkeys. He brought us in. We fucking killed on BCN. And and this was actually a case where he did want to fuck us, by the way. I mean, Mark, yeah. That was, that was actually, yeah. my instincts were right on that one. <laughs> <laughs> he, well, he got in trouble for that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't he get kicked off the air for that? Like lost his job. He was, yeah. He was, in, he he was gone by then. But I think he was in D.C. and then he, he was, yeah. I think he was giving kids Sony Playstations. But, which is, I mean, it's solid deal. Solid deal, man. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not an Atari. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh. He was, uh, yeah. But I remember we we won we won that competition, and we got the the winners got to play the BCN Comedy Riot. The, I mean, the BCN, uh, whatever, the Rock of Boston. Yeah. And the year, it's always been at the Paradise, which is 600 people. Right. It's great. They switched it that year to the Garden. So, but we're so cocky and we're so fucking full of ourselves that we're like, yeah, we'll do it. Let's go. We didn't even think about it. We don't understand it. You know, we're doing sketch comedy and improv. There's 14,000 people showing oh up. Oh, my God. We just show up at the garden. We're hanging with the spin doctors. Our dressing room is the girls' bathroom. So all the girls have to come to our bathroom to pee, and that's our dressing room. What? Fish was the headliner. They put us in between Fish. No, the spin doctors went up. Little Miss, Little Miss, can't be wrong. Yeah. At the heat of that. Whoa. And in be right before Fish which is fucking nuts. We were going up to do sketches and improv. How much time did you guys do? We had to do 15 minutes, and they brought us out in front of 14,000 people. We all had, ugh, I don't know, who, I think it was Dane's idea. We all had different colored shirts. So we looked like, you know, a boy band. And, he, uh, and we, we all squatted down, and then when they announced us, we jumped up and spun to the crowd. <laughs> we just went, what's up? <laughs> Dude, it got, it went bad so fast. <laughs> Billy Burr was actually in the crowd. He went to see the show. He was there. It was terrible. It went bad so fast. We do. I remember we were doing a scat a skit, and uh, it was. I remember there was always there was one dude in the front. Keep going, keep going. He was like, I love it. And uh, we had to do an improv. We did a sketch. It bombed. It bombed. You could hear rustling. Just nuts. It was so bad. I wound up taking my shirt off. I was in shape at that time. And I was like, listen, people, we know you didn't come here to see comedy. You came here to see the spin doctors. You want to see fish. But we're going to leave in a second, but give us three things that piss you off for our improv. Just fucking shoes and lighters started coming to the stage. They started singing, sha-na-na-na, hey-hey. Goodbye, just grew and grew and grew. We had to walk off stage, go to the back. People were staring at us. I just sat there devastated. <sighs> it was so bad. Is that your first time bombing? Dude, it was my first time bombing, but my first time epically bombing. In front of 14 The comedy people. world knew before we knew that we bombed. You know what I mean? Like, we were the motherfuckers, and we were... 
that in a second. I mean, Al and Dane left me. They were supposed to pick me up up front. I'm standing out front waiting for them to pick me out. As the concert lets out, I'm by a payphone going, where the fuck are you guys? They're like, oh, we went home. They left me. I'd have my uncle to come pick me up. <laughs> People just walking by pointing at me like, there he is. That's him. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was terrifying. It was deadly. I thought my career was over. Wow. Done. Before it began. Before it began. That's what I said. I was like, fuck this How group shit. How much time had you been doing stand-up for back then? Like a year and a half, maybe. So when I met you and you were with Al and the Monkees, yeah. that was around that time. It was, yeah, it, it's probably after that. And we started doing stand-up. We were like, we all got to do stand-up. We all got to go on our own, do some stand-up. Well, what you guys were doing when I met you is you would do sketches, yep. and then you would each do like five minutes of stand-up. That's, that's what we started doing after. Yeah. So that we could, we, we would open with 10 minutes or five minutes each, and yeah. then do sketches. Because we had you to just go. were doing sketches first, and stand-up last when I worked with you. Maybe, yeah, maybe we I did remember, that. because I remember Dane would always go over his time. Because <laughs> you were supposed to do like... I remember, you know, you're supposed to do X amount of minutes. I remember what it was, but I remember, when is this motherfucker getting off stage? <laughs> yeah. Because I was headlining. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I don't remember people not liking you guys, though. No, we they liked us in small groups, but not at a 14,000 people. No, after. but I mean comics. I mean, I don't remember now, comics not liking you. They, I don't remember that. Yeah, they, they kind of just didn't like the fact that we would come in as a group. It's do you remember Cato and Morin? Who's that? They were a group, too. Was it, what, what? Steve Cato and Chris Zito, right? No, 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 no. He was Cato. a different guy. Zito was a different guy on his own who wound up being a he went on to be a, like a radio DJ. Yeah, yeah. He's in Springfield. Good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cato and Morin were like two guys. Like one one guy, there was like a, a smaller guy and a big guy. Yeah, and they were they were a comedy. Group I do too. remember them vaguely. I, I remember do. They got a lot of shit. Yep, and I think they branched off. I think Morin went on his own. Yeah. 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 Remember Fat Johnny and the Round Guy? Funniest, funniest fuck. They were the funniest people ever. That was a great group. The two of them together, they would rap and shit. They, they would, they would, I they used would to kill. do Boston Comedy Club. My first, I think my first show there, I moved to New York. I was the last one to move out of New York because I went and did acting for like two years. Red Johnny and the Round Red Guy. Red Johnny and the Round Guy. That's yeah. right. So I quit, I quit comedy. After Dane kind of made it, I remember the group broke up because I think one, Dane came one day and he was like, I have a show on the night of an Al and the Monkey show. And we were like, yeah, but it's Al and the Monkeys. And he was getting paid more for his single show than he was, we were getting paid for the whole show. So I was like, all right, fuck it, we're done. And uh, I went and just did acting. I was like, I'm, I went, I met my acting teacher, Peter Kelly. I did like a couple movies and some off-Broadway, an off-Broadway play in Boston. I just got into acting. For how long? Almost two years. Really? Yeah, Billy, Dane, Bill, and uh, Patrice and uh, Gary, they were all kicking it and uh, at Nick's and, and all that stuff. And I was just acting for, a, for around a year and a half, almost two years. I just went into just acting. And how'd you get back into comedy? I, it's a disease. It's like, it was like a thing. It's like a parasite that's just in you. And I just was like, fuck. And I just went to Nick's one night. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta get back. I'm, I can't, I gotta do this. And I went in. They were all on stage. They were getting up. They were regulars at Nick's on the open mics on Noxie's show. Yeah. Kevin Knox had a Wednesday night. People, you know, and uh, I remember I couldn't get up. Couldn't get on. Like I just, I had to earn my dues. I was a year and a half behind everybody. So I remember just sitting there night after night 
just not getting on and all these other assholes getting on. I was like, fuck. And then uh, I was going to quit again. I was like, Dane, I was talking to Dan. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Fuck this. They're letting her on or him on and I can't get on. And he was like, dude, just hang in there. That Noxie walks up literally during that conversation. You want to do five? I was like, yeah. He goes, you're on next. I was like, great. Noxie went up. Wow. Boom. Blah. Through, wow. Yeah. Fucking 10,000 beers. Yeah. Then he goes, give it up for Robert Kelly. I went up, killed it. Just out of pure, just murdered. He said, come back next Wednesday. And I was just in. I was back wow. in. Yeah. Noxie was the best. He was great. The best. He was such a good comic for young comics. Well, he's just a nice guy. Nice guy. Billy Martin, another great guy. You know Billy? Sure. Love Billy. He he, he went on to write for he, Bill Maher, right? Executive producer of Bill Maher, yeah. He he's was, still around? Yeah. Still on the show. No shit. I believe so. Yeah. He he had the Wednesday night at the Calhouns. He would put me up every Wednesday. He hated what I did. He came up to me and goes, I hate your comedy. <laughs> But you kill, so you, good for you. What? He said that. What? He goes, I, because I would go up and kill. But dude, I was, I was a lot of confidence, and a lot of, you know what I mean. I was kind of sucky too. <laughs> I used to have this thing that I did, where I would go up and I was like, "What's up? How you doing? All right, you like that? Your chick?" <laughs> <laughs> Fucking terrible. Do you remember me doing that? Kinda. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I always remember liking you. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I loved you too. I mean, you. I, it was great. I was so sad that you lived in New York, but uh, yeah, I, I started doing stand up then, and I, from then I flourished. Do you remember the time I got my ass beat? Remember the time we did that bar? We did some shit bar in New Hampshire or something. I don't know where it was. It was a just a bar, and you were headlining. I was on the show, and you got beat up. Oh, dude, I don't remember this at all. That's why, what happened? That's why I never would fight a wrestler in my life. <laughs> what happened? Dude, little fight. Wrestlers are just a different strength. <laughs> so it's like different. You know what I mean? Like this kid was there at the show. I think you left. I think you left. Mm. You had to go do something. I must something. have. I, and we all went I, back. I don't remember this at all. We did the show. It was awesome. You were headline and we hung out. And then I think I left. I went to this party at some, this girl's house with all my friends and this kid, this little guy. He was this little guy. And he kept fucking with me. He was like, yeah, what's up, man? What's up? And he kept getting in my face. And I was like, dude, get the fuck. Finally, it was just like, get out of my face, dude. Stop. Get the fuck out. I'm serious. And then, uh, you know. I think uh, I was like, fuck it, let's go outside. And it was snow. The sidewalks were all ice. I was in cowboy boots. <laughs> Remember? Remember back in the 90s with the little silver tips? Yes. I had cowboy boots with tight jeans. Oh, no. Dude, I went outside and I remember I had mace. And I'm, look, I know you're a real fighter and I know there's a code, but in Boston, fucking suck a punch whatever you gotta do to win you know fuck you i was the king of sucker punches back when i was a juvenile you know uh you what you know there's no there's no rules you know but there was some because i was sober now i had this mace and he's coming out and i just dropped the mace in the snow i was like i can't do this oh boy bad move he came out and uh just threw me around 
on the, my legs was slipping because I was on my boots and I was trying to we grab it and my feet kept slipping. And I remember he picked me up. He, he, he headbutted me, came up like that, headbutted me in the face. And then my ankle tore because I slipped on my boots. And then he just picked me up and slammed me to the ground like a fucking rag doll. And my friend was like, all right, he's had enough. <laughs> and I, I, I remember I, I got my ass beat, beaten. I was, so, I was so fucking sad. I had to go to the <laughs> hospital. Remember them, they had to cut my boot off because oh, it was so swollen. I was so sad because I just got the boots. And uh, yeah, it was terrible. Hate that. Fucking hate that. <laughs> Get my, after a show. I remember there was a chick there that I was trying to hook up with. No, oh, she never called me again. Of course. Getting your ass kicked is a motherfucker. Yeah, it's not fun. Have you ever gotten your ass kicked? Sure. In really? In fight fights. No, in life fights. I didn't get much fights in life. I didn't. I avoided that because yeah. I was fighting from yeah. the time I was fifteen to the time I was twenty-one. I was traveling around the country fighting in martial arts tournaments. Right. So I never got in street fights. I got beat up so much. Yeah, I got in like a couple in high school. One time in high school, this dude grabbed me in a headlock and threw me to the ground. And he was going to punch me in the face and decided not to. Yeah. I, w I, I was helpless. And that's when I started wrestling. I was like, fuck, I got to learn how to wrestle. Yeah. I remember just like, I'm just so lucky this guy didn't just beat my face in a, into a pulp. <laughs> yeah. Like he, I didn't know how to wrestle. Like we, he got in my face and I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I was like confused. And I remember he got me in a headlock and just threw me to the ground and then didn't punch me in the face. Like, was going to punch me in the face, <laughs> but didn't. It's like, right. And I, I just like, it's okay. And I got up, and then I remember avoiding him around the school. Like, I'd see him. It's the worst. And I'd be like, where is he? i got to get the, go the other way. And I remember, like, I hate this. And that's when I started doing martial arts because I was like, i got to learn how to fight. That's why I put my kid, Maximus, in jiu-jitsu. Mm, it's perfect for kids. I put him, Matt Sarah, I called Matt. Oh, that's I go, awesome. I go, he hooked me up with Igor Gracie. Oh, perfect. And uh, he's been there for over a year now. Oh, that's yeah, it's so important for kids to learn how to defend themselves. It'll just, it'll let you avoid fights. Yeah. You know? I remember one time I was in, um, um, I was in Fenway Park, like that area, and uh, like Kenmore Square, and I was walking down the street, and these fucking kids, I forget it was two or three kids, I think it was two kids, and they were like just street kids, like shitty kids. And he's like, uh, hey man, could I borrow some money? And I go, I don't have any money. He goes, come on man, I know you got some fucking money. And I go, no, I don't have any money. You know, and he goes, man, I'll just fucking take your money. I go, okay. And I keep walking. He goes, where the fuck are you going? And I got to the door of the Taekwondo Academy where I was teaching. <laughs> and I go, I'm going up here to teach a class. <laughs> I go, do you want to come up? And we were like looking at each other. And he's like, you're teaching the class? I go, yeah. And, he, like, he, and that's when he understood like why I was so confident. Because right. I was trying to figure out, do I kick this guy's head off of his fucking shoulders? <laughs> or do I just calmly walk up to the door and yeah. go, I'm going up here to teach a class. Yeah. It was one of the more interesting moments in my life because it was a moment where having confidence and really knowing how to fight. And by that time, I was like 17. I had knocked a bunch of people out by then. Right. I was used to it. I know how to do it. And I remember just that confidence kept, like it was confusing for him. Yeah. And he's like, man, I know you got some money. I go, no, I don't have any money for you. And then we, when we got to the door, it was like perfect timing, like right when they were starting to escalate shit. And in the door, the door was a logo of a guy flying through the air, <laughs> kicking another guy in the head. Yeah. That was the Jae Hun Kim Taekwondo Institute.
I took karate for a while. I took Kempo. Yeah. Elvis karate. <laughs> Ed Parker. Come on, hey. man. Come on, man. That's yeah. my favorite version of Elvis. Pilled up doing karate. With the gi? Come on, man. With, with the gi, with a giant collared shirt under the gi. Under the gi, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I took it for a while, but I split my gi. I got fat again. <laughs> I, 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 my first girlfriend, when we met, we were both in shape. I was taking karate. She took karate with me. We would go and do karate. But like any relationship, you start getting lazy. We started going to the all-you-can-eat Italian buffet across the street on Route Run. <laughs> and then I remember one time I went in with like sauce stains on my gi. Oh, my God. And then I quit when I split my gi. I, <laughs> I went down to do a stupid split, you know, at the beginning when you're yep. stretching and shit. And, and my ripped. gi just ripped. And I just never went back. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I was like, this, I got to go. Are you doing anything now to work out while you're losing weight? <clears throat> I'm working out uh, six days a week. Wow. I gotta, well, the thing with the operation, and it's not for everybody. There's the, the, there's the gastric bypass where they fucking rearrange your shit. There's the... the, the sleeve. The sleeve. No, the, the, um, the, the two... What is it called? The, the ring. Band. The band. Which is they put a band over it. I think Ralphie got that twice. Yeah. And then the sleeve is the least invasive it's uh, laparoscopic and they just make your stomach smaller so it goes from whatever it was into the size of a banana and i just i had to do it i looked at it like this 37 years ago i went to rehab i went to the road back and i took myself out of the game for 14 months to get my life back i can't i got i got i got to work i got a life i can't just leave for however long, but my stomach can, you know what I mean? My stomach can go to rehab, like my insides. It took me like three years to make the decision because you want to, I want to do it. You want to be a man. I can do this. I can get this fucking done. You know, I go on things and you hear people just fucking do it, just do it. But I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was 350 pounds. I was bigger than any heavyweight champion of the world. Mm. I was bigger than any linebacker on any team. I was 5'8", you know? I'm 51 at the time. I got this beautiful son I'm in love with. I got my wife I love. I finally enjoying life. And I'm gonna, my son's gonna not have a dad right. because of pizza, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm gonna fuck his life up. Because I, I can't stop stuff in my face because um, whatever uh, the addiction is, because I, 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 I turned off the other addictions and now I'm, I'm addicted to this and I, need, I needed help. And then I'm a member of the cigar uh, club, C Cigar Republic. Shout out to those guys. They fucking love you, by the way. It's all men. It's all these guys. You go, it's 24 hours. You get a thing. You go up. It's a lounge. It's, it's awesome. Just a bunch of fucking men and uh, smoke cigars talk shit watch games whatever one of the guys in there is this you know dude arpan and he's wound up talking to him and he's a surgeon he does these operations three years ago i started talking to him and i was like you know i can't i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna get it done and maybe we'll talk we kept doing that and i couldn't do it dude i couldn't get it and i'm like i'm gonna die my 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 had sleep apnea my feet would tangle in um, my heart rate was up. Every, I was, I was going to be gone. I was going to stroke out. It was just, you know, either I do it or I don't. And finally, 
I talked to him and I'm like, what do I got to do? And he's like, you have to lose this weight before you can't just get the surgery. You have to lose weight. You have to get your BMI down. You have to see a nutritionist. You have to see a dietitian. You have to change the way you're eating before you do the surgery. You have to start this first. I was like, great. We planned it out. I was like, I can do it at this time. And uh, I, I got my BMI down and I went in for the surgery. And the night of the surgery, I was walking. He's like, you got to walk tonight and tomorrow and every day you have to walk. Uh, the night, I can only walk the hall once. I went home the next day. I could walk down my driveway and walk back up. The next day I walked down the driveway, walked down the block. I came back. The next day I walked uh, up and down the block. The day after that I walked around the block. I just kept going, walking and walking and walking. Because I knew the key to life is exercise. It's the fountain of youth. And I, I, I would be on the road with Louie and he would exercise every day. I would, I would see these people. It's, it's, the key, it's the fountain of youth. I just got to move. I don't have to you know, do all this other shit. I don't have to get a trainer. I don't have to do a, I just have to move. Just move. Yeah. And so I, that's all I did. And, but it, the, the operation allowed me to not, my addiction couldn't take over. If I eat too much, I get sick. So it allowed me the moments of clarity to understand I'm not hungry right now, but I'm hungry. You mm. know, there's also a thing in your stomach. This isn't theory. This isn't, you know, this is a theory. There's ghrelin cells in your stomach that tell you you're hungry. So when you remove, in theory, when you remove, and I want to get male, you're, I'm just saying, when you remove that stomach, those cells go with it. So you have less of those cells. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that helps you. You know, it, it helps you not feel that hunger when you're not hungry. Well, it seems like also you change your pattern. And once you develop a new pattern, right. you could really, that pattern, if you stick with it you, and you get momentum, mm -hmm. that pattern can become your new way of thinking, your new way of life. That's how it is whenever I get really serious and start doing something like very serious, it becomes my new thing. And then it becomes easier to do because it's just a part of the day. Like this is what I do now. Right. And then I kind of get obsessed about like staying on that pattern. Yeah. Like, I mean, like that's the thing I couldn't get to. You know, that's the yeah. thing I couldn't get to. But now I, I, you know, I lift weights now because, you know, I got to, you got to lift weights. Your phone's uh, listening to you. What? Yeah, your Siri just kicked on, Ugh. that bitch. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's been, I think, four months and my whole life has changed. That's amazing. Sleep apnea is gone. Heart rate, resting heart rate's like 58, 52 sometimes. I walk every day. I lift weights three or four times a week. Um, my pain is gone. My aches and pains are gone. That's fucking awesome. Everything's gone. Beautiful. Oh, I had a pain in the back of my ear that if you touched it, it was like somebody stabbing me. It's gone. Like Nobody knew what it was. It's gone. It was weight related. It was, I couldn't. Probably pushing down on a nerve. All what, that inflammation. Something, yeah, you know. it's all gone. And I, I learned, I'm like, I learned how to slow down. I learned how to like eat the right foods. I learned how to like move, just move. Even if it's a mile, just walking. And my whole demeanor changed. There was a two days I didn't work out and I was fucking grumpy and yeah, pissed. That's me. And I, I went like this. I didn't, I didn't move today. Yeah. 
And I went and I just jumped on the treadmill for a half hour and my fucking day lit up. Yeah. I was like Your endorphins kick in, your your anxiety goes away. Anxiety, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm less ornery, I'm less angry. Yeah. And I can uh you know I can I can fly dude, flying as a fat fuck. Hard. You develop fat tricks. Like I have a bunch of fat tricks. You know, like if I remember dropping your ear pod on the plane in mid flight was devastating. Because I you can't get it. So I would just kick it over to the skinny guy next to me. And I'd be like, dude, can you get that for me? <laughs> oh yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Seatbelt, I would have to use my stomach as a third hand. I put the seatbelt in under my stomach to hold it and then click it mm. to to get it on. I used to get sneakers without, you know, laces, slip-ons. Because mm. that is tying a shoe. You ever see a fat guy, the shoelaces are always tied to the left or to the yeah. right because we can't get it in the middle. Yeah. Tie, putting my socks on was a nightmare. I had to grab my foot and drag it up to the bed and hold it there. And I'd be out of breath putting a sock on. Jesus. But the, the funny thing is that you learn to live with it. Your body's fucking amazing. Think about it. I was walking around with 12 babies. I was carrying 12 babies right. all the time. And I, my body learned how to just fucking do everything I was doing. Get on the plane. I would hold, I would put my hand, I'd, have a, I'd fly with a sweatshirt and put my hand in the sweatshirt so I would hold it. Because I, I was so big, I had to hold my tits so wow. I didn't hit the person next to me. Because I remember one flight, I was holding it with my hands. I fell asleep, and I just whacked the chick next to me. Oh, my God. So I would have to hold my arm in my sleeve to fly. It was, I mean, talk about anxiety. Talk about feeling like shit all the time in the back of your head that you didn't even know. And now, you know, flying is, I'm, I fucking love it. I love it. I love, you know. Getting dressed, taking a shit. Dude, I can wash my balls. <laughs> Dude, I'm not kidding. Like from behind. Like I, I remember I, I opened the bathroom door and I was scrubbing my nuts. I'm like, Dawn, look. I, <laughs> I can scrub my nuts. I was like holding my nuts like a Doberman pitcher. Like, look, I can hold my nuts. She was like, good for you, honey. That's great. You're doing good. Yeah. That's awesome. I was like, fucking idiot. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's crazy. But I feel this is this is it. This is this is the f I'm not I'm not going back. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm not going back. So I'm in the middle of sober October. I got to end this podcast because I'm in the middle of sober October. Yeah. I got to go home and do a workout. Yeah, we, we have to work out seven days a week, 360 or 30, 30 days, 31 days, whatever. Pushups a day. Yeah, hundred pushups a day. I'm yeah. also doing a hundred body weight squats and burn five hundred calories. Yeah, workout. That's great. So I got to do it before the show. Yeah, so, I, I, and I got to do some ads. So I got to wrap this up. But Hi, dude, brother. it's been fucking awesome catching good, up with you. Good to be on. It was man. a lot of fun. Good to see you too, brother. It was great to see you doing well. Too. Thanks for That's letting me promote the beautiful. special. And it's called Killbox. Yep. It's on LouisCK.com. Yeah. you can go to check it out right now. Look how go fat I was. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's fucking awesome, brother. Yeah. Thanks, brother. And we're gonna do a show tonight. So we're do gonna have some tonight. fun. Yeah. All right. That's it. Bye, everybody. 